I'm a big believer, like, people always go, oh, I bet you could change it. And I'm kind of like, I wouldn't ch really change anything I've done in my life. You know, I've had the, the bad things are your bumps in the road. But what about if you didn't have those bad things and you ended up on a different road? Like, if you're happy where you are, you know, you have some really, we all have shit, don't we? Like, life is a fucking roller coaster. I wouldn't change that. You know, I wouldn't. It's, it's got me to kind of where I am. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Breaking Bread, the Birmingham food podcast presented by food obsessed Brummies, Liam and Carl. I'm Liam. Hello, I'm Carl. <laughs> you always look at me really anxious when I'm going to introduce. Like I'm, I'm just going to go, I'm it's wait, fucking Carl! I'm waiting for you to jump in. <laughs> I'm like on the edge of a seat. They're like an elf where he's doing the jack of boxes Yeah, he's whining. <laughs> yeah, and he's waiting for it. I do hold, I am told I have a jack in a box effect. <laughs> Keeping good. Yeah, I'm good, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Laughing, you, <laughs> you have a set like, that thing in your voice that says, "You know, I'm good." You asked me two minutes ago when we recorded yeah, the last we recorded, intro. We recorded another intro, of course. We've done all this. <laughs> we forget that this is the first time you're hearing this. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. ruining the magic. About and uh, the breaking down works. the fourth wall and just letting you like going going all like yeah. We don't letting down the kayfabe. We don't block do the intros. We're supposed to be in character all the time, like WWF. I thought this podcast would be good. Yeah. And then we recorded it, and when we both walked away, just like, fuck, that was a good podcast. Yeah, it was good. It's one of my fives as well. Like, yeah, definitely. Really this good. is easily one of the top ones we've done. So before we tell you who it is and all that, let's uh, talk about where we've been eating. And the, uh, You're always championing Shirley, man. I respect that. I know. I'm, I'm plugging away. I'm just in the hope that it'll get better. One day try and change the it. The more I go on about it, the better it will get. I'm sure of it. So where were you? Not that, not that there's many pickings in Shirley, but <laughs> you know what? Shirley has got it's got a good sushi place. It's got Shaking Hand, which is one of the best bars <laughs> in Birmingham, hands down. Some of the best beer you can drink. You know, we've got good coffee. You've got Bora. Yeah, we've got um, SKVP, good street Indian food place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we have got good stuff. And I went to Fiesta, Fiesta de la Sada. I tell you what, I've never had bad food in Fiesta. I thought it was brilliant. Sometimes. I mean, understandably, the service might have been a, a bit short-staffed or some after COVID. And... Yeah, a lot of people have struggled with yeah. getting staff, and I think they did have problems with that. And it has been a bit, I'm not going to say hit and miss, but sometimes you think the service could be better. But we went on Saturday, and it was fantastic. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, we always message each other when we see we're out anyway, and say, look, was it any good? How was it, you know? And the car said, oh, yeah, it was really good this time. Oh, the service was brilliant. The drinks were great. The wine was nice. We take our kids there, like, because we go with the family when they come over, because it's just around the corner. It's, and it's walking big distance. Tables, yeah. yeah. And they're always good with the kids. The mm. food was great. The kids' food was brilliant. Like, they had great options for them. Connie had some, like, I was a bit jealous of Connie's dinner, to be honest. <laughs> I was like, oh, man, that sausage and chips look banging, to be fair. <laughs> and just the sides are good. Yeah. The steak was what fantastic. What steak do you have? Uh, ribeye. I always ribeye, go, yeah. if, if I'm picking, I'm having ribeye. I did think that, one. and I thought, well, I asked him, and then I thought, it's just going to have ribeye like I would. <laughs> if you like steak, you eat ribeye, basically. Yeah, ribeye's <laughs> the best one, medium rare, it's just so that fat melts a bit more. Because if you have, you can't have ribeye rare, it's like nah. the fat doesn't cook yeah, through yeah, enough. Yeah. You need that, you want that little bit of the actual ribeye fat to be melting yeah. when you put it in your mouth, and it was. You want fillet and sirloin to be a bit rare, don't you? Not, if I have fillet, I want it practically moving around yeah, the plate. Yeah, like, yeah. But, still moving. Yeah. We even had cocktails, actually, the cocktails are really good. Well, that's good. They don't really get mentioned for their cocktails. I mean, I'd, if they saw beer, wine, cocktails, 
shorts, like just everything. You know me, when I'm going out big, I go out and just... Good, man. I've got a soft spot for Fiesta. I have, and it's good, and it's nice inside. It's yeah. beautiful. Like I'm, I'm glad to see it doing well. It was busy, which good. is really nice to see as well. Good, man. I went to Isaac's, another kind of place we have a soft spot for, mainly because we love Adam. Yeah, Adam, that's unreal. And the food there, it's, you know, it's probably the nicest place to sit in and just have a nice bottle of wine or Coke if you... Yeah. And just food and just sit yeah. there and lucky eat. Lucky Saint. I have a Lucky Saint. I love yeah. Lucky Saint. I tell you what, I recommend it more than anywhere else, I would say. It's one of the top ones or places I sell people to go. A lot of people Definitely. at work, like I work, work no disrespect to them, but they're not massive into food. So when they're saying to me they want to go somewhere really nice, a little bit posh for, for their birthday or their wife's birthday, they don't mean Ophim or Simpsons. Yeah, they don't mean they want to spend yeah. £500 on dinner. So Isaac's is perfect because it's it's reasonably priced. The food's very good. But the, the surroundings, like the, the restaurant's stunning. Like It's wicked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a great place. I always recommend it. They always go. They always love it. They're all like, yeah, that was that was exactly what I wanted. Yeah, not that we don't recommend Ophim. Yeah, yeah, we recommend all them places. But like, like for the people we know that aren't into fine dining, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. sort of like the top level of yeah, They would not be interested people. in going and spend. All they would focus on is how much they spent. They don't appreciate that that food was actually worth that money. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Isaac's, it's just like, well, Actar just released a list of places through the good food. Yeah, yeah. A place in Burma. And I swear to God... Nearly every place on there is like the places we tell people to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the fried chicken, waffle, egg, chips, and uh, maple syrup. I've got to admit, I find that I mean, fair play. You like, I just, I know we're sitting there, Isaac, that just sounds so fucking weird. While I was me. pouring the maple syrup over the egg, I could oh. see your face. <laughs> I wish you could see Carl's face now. <laughs> I'm mad into that kind of thing. Though. Anything sweet and really savory, I love it. Absolutely That's too love far, it. man. It's too far. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for dinner. Yeah, so Isaac's always brilliant. We were in a bit of a rush. Didn't even get dessert, man, which is a shame. No, we had to get out. We were going out. Out, out. Mickey Flanagan. I love the steaks at Isaac's. Yeah, I was. Temp- I always have the steak, though. Or I've had the steak nearly every time we've been. So I was like, I've never had the chicken and waffles. I'm pretty sure Adam just keeps it on the menu for me. Because yeah, he hears he me raving about time. it all the time. And I never have it. So I was like, I'm going to have it Friday night. What what's not to love? You know what I mean. No. You want something comforting. It rained all day. It was brilliant. Obviously, you've you've definitely seen it because it's been all over socials and everything. But Digworth Dining Club, who we have massive love for, they're going out on tour uh, this summer. Yeah, they're coming to Shirley twice. Shirley wait. twice. I'll be there brilliant. twice. But they're going everywhere, like Reddit. They're going loads of places. The list is massive. I can't even remember. It. I should have wrote a few down, but we're complete amateurs. And what the tour's great as well. Sleep. They come to show and they put so much effort in. There's loads on for the kids. Yeah. There's loads of entertainment. There's loads Just of bars. Like Bringing these traders to people who wouldn't normally get to them, you know what I mean? And they all sell out. So if you want to go, make sure you get a ticket early. Because I'm keeping an eye out because the one in Shirley always sells out. Jess wants to be on the podcast. <laughs> Back to today's episode. Yeah. The awesome Conrad from Tonic Talent. Most really people good. would have met him, definitely, sure. I'm sure everyone's met him. I can't imagine there's anyone in hospitality in Birmingham that doesn't no. know him. And I'd just say know of him, like know him well. Like he just seems to know. I mean, that's his business to know everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he really does know everybody. Yeah, great guy. Known him for years, haven't we, since we kind of got started, really. This is a two-for-one episode, <laughs> really. Because you've got like, obviously the recruitment thing is what his business is. And there's some great tips for 
both employers and employees looking for work, trying to find stuff. There's great tips for that. Loads oh, yeah, if that. you're after a job, like, this is the one, man. We, we do go quite into, like, CVs and all that and their tips for interviews. And But on the other side of that then, we I think we talked for a good hour, hour about how good Birmingham food scene is <laughs> and yeah. where we love to eat in Birmingham. So it's good like that. I mean, let's face it, he eats out most, more than most of us food bloggers, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mentally, it just... You can the, the passion for Birmingham food and Birmingham hospitality just shines through in everything he does. There's a man that's on the same page as us, just wants Birmingham to get better and better. Yeah, and he's physically yeah. tried, like he's had his own businesses and he yeah. talks about that. And it's a great podcast. It was just a great talk. It was yeah. like just seeing that. Like I mean, we always talk before and after the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And often the good podcast, you can't tell when we're recording or not. Yeah, yeah. And that was exactly like that. It yeah. felt like we just sat in the pub with a mate for two hours, like you know. Yeah, it's the exact vibe of. What we set out with this podcast originally was just to be a conversation. Yeah, well, both really conversation and tips. I wanted it to be useful because yeah. obviously hospitality um, recruitment's a massive problem at the minute and a big issue. So I really wanted to get some real useful stuff out of him for that, and we did. But I really just wanted to talk about food as well. <laughs> yeah, it's hard not to, isn't it? Because <laughs> he's at some wicked places as well. I loved it, and obviously the history of it has been around a little while. I'm not going to age him, but it's been around since. The beginning of the kind of rise in food. He's someone that's seen Birmingham. it all come yeah, through. When, yeah. it's, it's when he started, there was nothing really like. And then, yeah, it's safe to say there was a couple of places doing well, but from where we are now it, to yeah. where we were 10, 15 years ago, it's such a different place. Yeah. So I'd say 2012, like from 2011, 2012 onwards, that was it then. Things changed. Obviously, Dickworth Dining Club, Independent Birmingham. Yeah. I choose Birmingham, that kind of thing. Yeah. This podcast goes through it all. This is a good one. It's a long one, but it's a f- really worth listening to all of it. It will fly. Honestly, it flies by. We had no idea it was that long. Did no, we? no. We checked the time and we were like, oh, shit, we're going to have to wrap this up. Yeah, <laughs> this we, could, long... we could have spent longer as well. We yeah, were mad. Be a oh, yeah, warning one. as well. This will make you want fish and chips. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> we were all sitting there going, I want fish and chips. <laughs> Anyone that listens to this, we're like, I'm going to chip you tonight. Yeah. Awesome. So, ladies and gentlemen, Conrad from Tonic Talent. That just gets, I, I see it, it gets better and better. Yeah, I don't know how he improves it. Chicken and the pork and stuff last time. This oh, the pork belly. Fucking I've got that every single time I've gone and it's the yeah. best it's ever been now. Yeah. I love it. It's a shame being getting closer to town really just for himself. Well, we live in Shirley, so it's a pain in the ass for yeah. us. That's why like Harborn's so inaccessible to us because it's fucking missions away because we went yeah. to Trapea. Trapea? Yeah. yeah. For the first oh, yeah, time it's the first Christmas. time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. fucking phenomenal. Unbelievable. Pound for pound, the best restaurant for me. Yeah, I really Pound loved it there. Yeah. It's just the service, the drinks. Yeah. Un- I love a martini, and their martini was phenomenal. Yeah. Was, oh, it was brilliant. It yeah. was the World Cup, England so, in the World Cup, so I had the phone on as well, and they were joking and laughing about it. Some places yeah. get a bit funny about it. They were like, no, nah, it'd be funny. Yeah, good on them, man. It. It's the closest restaurant to our house. Oh, you're laughing. So we just walk up there like it's fucking... Gun and Barrel any good? Yeah, good. Is it good? Yeah. yeah. I mean, whatever Jamie's turns out. Don't know about the Faffy burgers. Yeah. Really, you know, like I don't want like five car and fucking thirty quid Yeah, and you'll get some people who just go in and be like, oh, "I want that because it's that." And yeah. and if 
if he sells five a week, then I, I don't know, I suppose he sells five a week and that's mm. that really. It's just something different, isn't it, to have. Um, but last time I had an extra patty and bacon and cheese and fucking hell, it was good. It's all you need on a burger, yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah, keep it simple. You've got to do something different to differentiate from like uh, yeah. meat shack and... Yeah, and I mean, it, it's sort of different to them in this sort of smash patty kind of vibe that is quite popular at the moment. But yeah, no, it's good. I mean, they've done a great job with the fit out and that. And I love a pool table, as you can see. So mm-hmm. it's nice to be able to have a game of pool and a burger. It feels pretty cool in there, man. But we could do with loads more in Arbor. I mean, I miss... <laughs> you want to live in Shirley, mate? No, but I miss, I miss King's Eve, man. Upstairs, um, by Grace and James and Polly. And they got Blowwater Calf now. And they're about to get one star Donna Bar. I'd swap that for everything we got in Arbor, hands down. Because I think you take away really... Jamie's place and Arbor Kitchen is fine dining. You can't, like, where, there ain't uh, and Trapea. Like, I'm like, you know, there ain't, not, there ain't there. a lot going on. When I was in King's Eve Saturday and we went to Grace and James. But I do what I always do. I end up hair and hounds. Yeah. Because <laughs> I just love the boozer, proper boozer. It is a great boozer. And it's yeah. busy. It's always busy. There's always life in there. Yeah, it is. Yeah. The, 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 my lockdown experiences with the Donna Kebabs that you used to go and pick up. Like, that's when me and Joe got together and, um, there was something magical about being in lockdown and driving up there to get this amazing food. And they do a beverage pairing as well. And me and Joe would just go down, sit overlooking Cannonell Park and eat whatever he'd done. And it was brilliant because we couldn't go to a restaurant to do dates. We just no. got together. But these were our, obviously I used to cook and stuff like that. But I just got such fond memories of that. And the fact that we're now getting one here, I think, you know, I mean, Brad will do super well off that. Well, whatever he does, it's going to be good. But yeah. that food should be amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really great bar to have it in as well. Yeah, fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. They've always wanted food there. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it though because I've not been thrown up in Manchester. No, no, I haven't. I really want to give it a Joe go. Joe and I were up, up there but we'd got, you know, other things planned and then it shut too early. Otherwise, I was going to like, we had lunch, dinner and I was like, come on, we can squeeze a kebab in and Joe's like, what the fuck are you on about? No, like, we've been for lunch and dinner. Like, me and my old man used to do that. He used to take me down London and we'd have a lunch and then a dinner and you're just fucking so full. But not like three courses, like the Monty, you know, I mean, he's the person that got me into food and you just think, it's just excessive, really. No one needs a lunch and a dinner of that sort of thing. Because you kind of like, the enjoyment of both diminishes because you've just had too much food, you know. You're just like, this is ridiculous, but I am a greedy motherfucker, so. You're talking to two fat blokes, mate, so. <laughs> like, we're like breakfast, lunch and dinner, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. try and work them all in, man. So, I'm assuming bad language is fine. Yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. This yeah. isn't the BBC. Yeah. yeah. It'd be a short podcast otherwise, way I swear, so. So we've already started in true podcast fashion. You've just heard Conrad from Tonic Talent. Um, you, you might as well just carry on where you just left off where you were telling us about how you got into hospitality, mate. Uh, yeah, so I was always working as soon as I was old enough, part-time. Yeah. Uh, you, you were saying about your love for it with your dad. Yeah, Lula. absolutely. The real love for it came from dad. But I mean, part-time-wise, I was, I was kitchen porter and we had a fantastic uh, female head chef who was quite fit, actually. And so I used to try and get like prep jobs and do bits and bobs off her. And um, after doing that for about six months, my dad, I'd sort of started showing interest in the restaurants that he used to go to. And what, he was got- he a massive feeling that? Because my other mile fellow weren't going to no fancy places down London. Yeah, yeah. My dad was a stockbroker. And um, in St Paul Square in Brom, so he's 
really did very, very well. And if anyone from Simpsons or Pinnell's uh, is listening, he'd be in Pinnell's three days a week in Simpsons too. Like he'd eat out every single lunchtime and just do his afternoon off his phone. Um, So he loved it. Basically Um, living our dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, So, I mean, before that, he he took me to a a restaurant in London called Quaglino's. So it's a D&D restaurant. And uh, I'd never been anywhere like that. It was beef eaters and harvesters. And don't get me wrong, I fucking love the salad bar at the harvester. But um, this, the whole experience of it just made me go, wow, this is like a complete another level of, of the way that I feel when I'm in this place. You know, the whole customer journeys, beautifully presented people on the welcome desk who took your coats and just the way you were taken down to the table. And it was, it's quite a dazzling place. Quaglino's is very famous, a lot of glitterati there in, in the early years of dining and stuff. So you um, had to feel special. And you know, you go to be through and that sometimes you're just a number. You kind of feel like they're waiting to finish their shift. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you do. You do. And I think it, it, it really, really grew from there. I mean, I was very lucky to serve Sir Terence Conran before he passed away when I was working at, at Malmaison. And, um, I told him I told him the story. I said it was a visit to one of your restaurants that got me into the industry. And he sent me a he asked for my address. He sent me a signed copy of his book. And mm-hmm. he was a real gentleman. He, he was a, a real inspiration to me, actually, and just serve. I've been very lucky to serve and look after some some really cool different people from all walks of life. Uh, but he was right up there. If you said like, who did you love looking after and meeting? He was, he was right up there and, and, he, and he loved hearing that story as well. And I suppose my love just went from from that point, really, from that one meal. I, I always was pushing my dad to take me down to London. Um, I remember my first uh, one-star experience was going to um, Claridge's when it was Gordon Ramsay. Um, and I went with a, a friend of mine from the College of Food we always used to go to a restaurant. Some people will, will be uh, too young listening to this to remember it called Le Toc d'Or, which is in the site of where Wilderness is now. So that was uh, a fine dining restaurant, very French fine dining restaurant. It shows you how long ago when I was at college. Three courses was 17 quid for lunch and you could have Balatina foie gras in that. Oh my days. <laughs> you can't even get a glass of water for that now. I know, yeah. Um, but it's something I've always been happy to, to spend my money on and enjoy. And some people, if if I was to talk about it, I remember writing a review once for a, a, an experience that I had at the Fat Duck. Obviously, it was multiple hundreds of pounds and someone had put underneath my review, how dare you? How dare you spend your money like this when there's people starving? And I think to myself, well, I could... My cousin is covered in tattoos. He's spent about 35, 40 grand on tattoos. Yeah, they're expensive. It's up to him. If he wants to spend his money on the tattoos, that's absolutely up to him. That's where he gets his enjoyment from. Mm-hmm. I do get my enjoyment from you know, breaking bread, pardon the pun, with friends and and having a glass of wine with them. And I think there's something beautiful about the whole experience. And that's from even sitting around having street food in Hockley Social to what I was telling you before we came on air about, you know, about Brad's and the experiences eating in the car during lockdown up to, yeah, you know, a a three-star restaurant or going over to Inishir in Wales, which I'd probably say is my my favourite restaurant of all time. Yeah, I'm going this year. 24. Going in July. Can't wait. It, I was very lucky to go some years ago now, maybe six years ago. We did a pop up at Simpsons, and um, I was good friends with Nathan Eads, who was who was a head chef at Simpsons at the time. I just we just placed him in there actually, and Nathan said he phoned me when they'd finished service on the Sunday night and said we've got to go to this restaurant. 
it will blow your mind. So Nathan drove us there that week and three of us went and we sat on what was the kind of chef's table at the time. And it changed the way I, I thought about food going there that, that first time because it was just so different. And I think you're, you, you're acutely aware of what you're going to get because you've heard loads of people talking yeah, about yeah, it, yeah. you know, loads of bloggers write about it. He's on the telly loads. I didn't know what I was getting. And, and there's something about that kind of experience almost, you're just like, wow, you know, it, it, it's so ingredient-led. His passion is absolutely next level. Um, it, 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 it feels simple, but but it's obviously not. And, you know, weeks of preparation and, and even months, you know, he, has, he uses this birch syrup reduction. And when he tells you, ask him to tell you how long the birch syrup takes, you know, they tap the trees, they go around. I mean, it's, it's foraging on, on another level, really. So... Yeah, the, the the passion is just, and it, it and it's never stopped as you can tell. Now I'm just yeah. rambling on, and I, I, I just think, I just think it's it's just a yeah. I think that uh, you know, food food is really there. You know, some people will very much treat food as as I just need to get full. That's fine if that's what you want. Um, but it, even here in the office, you know, we've only got a microwave and a George Foreman grill, and what I can you knock out on them bad boys now, you yeah. know. Um, I, I, I did a bit of time as a chef, but I was always front of house. Uh, and obviously I, I studied as well, I studied at the College of Food, which is time that I really loved. So it's just never stopped and I don't think it ever will really. So it's one thing like enjoying going out and getting really into it when you're out for a restaurant, but working in it, like what was it that attracted you to working in it? It was a different ballgame. Yeah, completely. Um, it, it was just, I, I went and studied down in, in Bristol. I didn't get many A-level points. I've never been known for this studious. I needed to be really passionate or into something to, to really, you know, pay any attention to it and do well in it. And I did degree I didn't really want to do economics and combined science. I don't know what you meant to do with that. And after a year of that, I, I, I always worked part-time. So I was down at Hotel Devan, front of house down there and, and different places down in Bristol, little two rosette restaurant, which I loved working at. And my dad just said, look, you know, you can't keep just fucking about, so you're going to have to do something. And he said, you know, you do love your restaurant, so why don't you go have a look at the College of Food and what they've got to offer. Um, so, you, you know, I moved on to a degree there. I did hospitality and food management, which gave me a good broad business degree as as well as the sort of hospitality and food side of things. So I could come out and, and run a business, maybe if I'd have stepped away of hospitality at the end of the degree. But actually, I mean, to be perfectly honest, running a restaurant is the thing I'm best at. We don't best not tell my uh, clients now <laughs> <laughs> on the recruitment side. But, um, you know, probably as we go through and talk a little bit more about the story and bankruptcy and things like that, I just, I just didn't want it. I just didn't want the, the evenings and weekends and late nights. And actually, if I was in the industry now, probably it's a different place, you know. It was 60, 65, 70 hours standard, you yeah, know, when yeah. I was in it more when we had our own business and I was just broken by it to be honest so you know came away but always wanted to stick I couldn't imagine not doing something in and around hospitality mm. it's just uh, just just too much passion within me for it and you know my partner she's got a, a business which supplies you both know Joe and the relationship you know her business supplies the industry and like it doesn't matter whether we're having a bit of like you know, buttered toast and the way I butter the toast and like, you know, present, like I just love things done nice and, you know, preparing things with love for people that I care about as well. So mm. even if you're coming around my gaff, I, I try and do something quite nice really, not that I'm, you know, the best cook in the world. That's it. It's the love though. That's what, that's the ingredient people miss. Like my missus, she's good. At, she can cook, but she's got no love for it. And you can yeah. tell, yeah. Like you can just, it's a, it's an ingredient. You can't just 
Yeah. Can't buy that one. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And and I sort of try and bring that whatever I'm doing, even if I'm like batch cooking a bolognese, you know, I, I think, you know, you got you, you play to your skill set, don't you, in your house with, with your partner or whatever, your family. So there'll be stuff that they're good at. It might be like organising the bills and, and you know, I don't know, like cleaning the bathroom, they're good at that. And like the thing I'm good at is organise the kitchen, sorting out what we're having for like all of the meals and making sure we've got stuff in, Pretty much like if there was like a nuclear war, we could survive for a good amount of time. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like the level of batch cooking and like everything's dated and stuff like that. And um, bless Joe, that ain't her skill set at all. In fact, it was a joke when I first went around their house and looked through the cupboards. So I shall leave that like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you see, how important do you believe UCB is to say? Massively. I think if you look at the people who've come through there, uh, the alumni and, and the things that they've achieved. I mean, I'm going to miss people now and, and I really don't want to, but, you know, chefs-wise, you know, you got you got Leo who won an acorn and he was like 30 under 30, you know, Michelin star. So Leo Katu, who's, who's now obviously up at, at Five Ways at Laggy's Deli, but he was at Simpsons for many, many years. Uh, Liam Dillon, he's come through there. Dan Lee, he's come through there. Stuart Dealey came through Hale Zoe and then I I don't know whether he went there, but th- th- these these educational facilities, some people will say it's not necessary to get into the industry, and I don't disagree with that. You could go and find a, a fantastic path of development somewhere without having to go through uh, somewhere like the uni. What would I say? What would my advice be to to, to your kids or to, mm. to, to any young people out there starting would be to go through the educational route. I think that it, it, it sort of... There's no stone left unturned and they'll learn a lot of other things other than the sort of job. I would always work as well. You know, for me, uh, when I was uh, at the college, I found it really weird that people didn't work and I always used to work. And you found that the people who worked and had jobs, I mean, I was one of the opening team of, of Simpsons, you know, when it first opened some 22 years ago and I absolutely loved it. And you get to meet a lot of great people as well when you're out and about and working, but they can't teach you everything in the classroom. So you've got to put the two kind of together. Mm. Uh, I mean, we're very lucky that we've got UCB. It's probably in the top three in the country of catering colleges, probably only beyond Westminster, really, if you're going to argue about it. Yeah. Um, and it puts a real um, a real spotlight on the city, you know, from that perspective. Um, and, and it's globally renowned as well you know, mm. people come from all over the world to go there and, it, and it's grown really well you know the different facilities that they've got now um they had the scottish rugby team staying there during the um uh, the commonwealth games recently and their training facilities and stuff that they've got it's absolutely next level you know they've got all the different campuses yeah, now yeah. just down the road from us here in the jewelry quarter that join up to the to the summer row campus and stuff so yeah i think as far as defining our um, or helping to define our our food scene here in Birmingham, it's been essential, really. Yeah, there's got to be, be a link, hasn't yeah. there, between the amount yeah. of Michelin stars we have and having a great university yeah. for it there. Well, just having a great food scene and then having the university right there. Yeah. For yeah. me, for what, going back to like young people listening, as somebody who didn't go to UCB or have any kind of educational background with being a chef, I just went into a kitchen and started working. It, it's good for the confidence in that, like, the moment you're already nervous starting in the kitchen, then the moment you're asked to do something that you're expected to have learned in college and you can't do it, you're like, all of a sudden, you're starting from a lower position. Yeah. Like, you're like, oh, shit, I should know that, but I don't. Yeah. I didn't go to college. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. As I say, I think you know, if if, if someone's like maybe not studious or they don't feel it's for them, it shouldn't put them off going into the industry. But but my recommendation, as I say, would would, would be to just couple that with work. Yeah, it's so. three years of your life that you're doing from what I don't know, sort of seventeen, eighteen, maybe a higher education, a bit more. You know, you're still so young when you come out. Yeah. I think chefs are so eager now. They see yeah. so and so, and they want to be a head chef by this, and it's almost it's like too much. You know, I think that, I mean, I'm going to sound really old now, but I think like young people in general kind of want the world and want it now, but that's how yeah. they consume information and there's a lot yeah. changed. But, you know, when you look at classical training, I mean, you see it a lot on um, MasterChef, the professionals, when they do that skills yeah. test, where some of them ain't got a clue. Head no. chef, and, 21 years old. <laughs> yeah, away, you're like, and you're oh, like yeah. that, oh, <laughs> yeah. it looks like a crab like that, <laughs> fuck you now. <laughs> Can I have a pot? No, you can't, you know. Yeah. And, you want to be, I would think as a chef, you want to be able to do all of those things. You want to be able to go into Borough Market, be given anything and be able to prep that and know what to do with it. I'd feel a fraud if I didn't. No. You know, I'd feel a fraud. I think that, that, that that's what it gives you. And it also opens you up to so much more. I mean, they've got the Bakus kitchen that, in there that, that's practicing. I mean, I remember when I lectured there, they, they built this for, for the guy who was competing that year, Adam, who's over at the cross. And you've got... Uh, Andrea Santone is in there with Brian um, Turner and uh, Alan Williams from the Ritz. And they're trying some of Adam's uh, platter for that year. And I was walking down the corridor and I worked to Simpsons at the time. Andreas went, comrades, c- come in here and tell us what you think about this. And I went, doesn't fucking matter what I think about it, does it? <laughs> with you three in here. <laughs> I says, I'll definitely give it a try. But I mean, to have that in the middle of your college, mm. you know, it's, it's amazing. And they enter, you know, competitions. They get, you know, the, the guys that are lecturing there are, are some really fantastic people as well. You know, you get you get people, guest lecturers going in and stuff. I think that they're really trying to keep their finger on the pulse of what's happening within the industry and keep everything really current and relevant. I mean, that was the reason I actually left was I felt that there was I'd been I'd been out of the college as a student and I went back to lecture for a little bit of time after uh, my my business went went under and nothing had changed too much they were still doing silver service and I questioned that I said what's wrong with the silver service when are they going to do that you know these kids are shitting themselves about like doing a bit of turkey a scallop or something like that when they're never going to use this and then concentrating more on that than they are um you know talking to the customers who are coming in as you know you know you can go in and, and, and pay to go to the restaurant it's fantastic value i said the most important thing that they can do is learn how to interact with guests so all they're doing is, is, is try, trying to concentrate on doing this. That then, when have you ever been somewhere in the last decade and, and had silver service? You just don't have it. No. You know, if you go to the NEC and they're serving a thousand people, it's just regen, bang, and it's out. And, and that's the way that you do it. You're not silver serving anymore, luckily, because I, I was terrible at that. I dropped a potato down Jack's straw once, <laughs> just before he was going up to talk somewhere. So uh, Did they yeah. take your comments on board there, change it. Or uh, I, I mean, I think it was much more than just my comments, but everyone's comments. Like, I think everyone was kind of saying that at that time, and they did know, change with it. It's it, it's changed and become more modern. What were you lecturing us? Sorry, not at all. No, so it's quite funny. So uh, obviously, I think we're probably going to touch on Great British Eatery in a bit, but sadly, Great British Eatery, or, or for all its sort of c- commercial success and the fact that we were best in England, 
it, it failed. You know, we opened at the start of the credit crunch. So uh, I went bankrupt. So I had to stand up in front of a group of students. Uh, my first day lecture in, in financial control in hospitality. So I was like, here's how, here's how not to do it. <laughs> and um, I, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed my time back at the college. I was also lecturing on a bit of food service and bar stuff as well. But it was nice. It was nice to um, connect with young people. I realised how how hard some young people have it these days as well. Uh, I came from a, a very privileged background. I mean, you know, it wasn't like mansions and swimming pools, but I never, never wanted for nothing. Um, and, and you realise about how, how much tougher us. I think a lot of young people have got it as well now. Uh, you also realise that they've got very different attitudes, I think, than, than the work on it 20 years ago as well. And I, I think a lot of them sadly don't, don't really know what hard work looks like. And, and certainly speaking to clients and connections, I think that there's... There's a lot of things that people kind of feel that 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 the where are we now? Gen Zs, Gen Ys. I don't even know. I say, I'm definitely showing my age now. Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it's it's a very different world now, and I think that employers uh, need to kind of realise how to get the best out of people for, who who are very different than they were when they came into the industry because. We don't want to make the industry a scary place for people. We want it, we want people to talk about the industry like like I am and like you know so many of my peers do who absolutely love it. And I think we're much more on it now with regards to the work life balance and looking after people. If I'd have asked for a Saturday night off before, they'd have been looked at me like, "What do you want to say? Saturday wrong night off? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know." And like, I've missed I've missed weddings. Yeah, you know, yeah, I've missed my best yeah. mates' weddings where I've had to type. You know, oh yeah, you can get an early out. Well, like some a wedding. But by half nine at night, everyone's shit-faced and I'm just like turning up stone cold sober. You know, it's, you, you, you don't want it to get in the way of your life like that, do you really? You know, it's a shame. So hopefully things are changing. I think things are changing for the better. Well, they need to be dynamic on this. Like, I don't like buzzwords, but that's one word I do stick by. You've, it's a changing industry all the time. People are changing. Everything's changing. COVID changed loads of stuff. Like some places haven't recovered from it. Some places have done well yep. since. You've just got to be able to move with the times. And if the kids need more time, then you're going to have to try and work around it if you want the people to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think be much more flexible as well. Um, I think people should be looking at, you know, people from an older generation, someone from an older, like someone's, you know, almost like retirement. What's to say that someone of retirement-ish age can't can't be really, really valuable to to a restaurant for two days a week? You know, people are saying that there's a shortage out there, but... Yes, there's a shortage out there, but great employers are not finding that too, but too much. I know one of the things that we thought that we could touch on is, okay, well, you know, how do people kind of get round attracting people within their business? And I'll just say, like, be a great employer. Yeah. If you're a great employer, whatever that looks like, you know, listen to your team, talk to your team on a regular basis. And if you're a great employer, as soon as a vacancy comes along, someone's going to say to their mate, hey, Somewhere, somewhere's cropped up in our place, and you'd have about three people clambering over each other for it. Mm. You know that that that's the way that it 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 can go if you are a you know really good employer and you really value your people, you reward them. You know they work fair hours for fair money, they get some decent staff food. I appreciate all of these things. All of these things take time and money, but I believe that you're going to be paid back in dividends. I really do. We just had Chef MK on our latest podcast we released today, and um, he said he never struggled with finding team members because he realized from day one that he's not trying to just fulfill vacancies and get people to work he's there to inspire people and actually touch their lives and and make them want to be there and feel part of it you know 
Totally. Yeah. I think that, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta look to develop your people. And that's not just a chef to party wanting to be a sous chef within three weeks. That's just on a daily basis, maybe in some skills or, you know, moving them around the kitchen or some cross training, mm. just, you know, like you say, inspiring people, yeah. you know, it's, it's, I, I will say to some people sometimes, like young, you know, younger people, if they don't seem like they've got that buzz, like when we're talking about even just eating out, like they've got that passion. Mm. I'm like, I don't mean to be a dick, but like, well, have a think about what you're going to do because it's it's a tough industry, but it's such a rewarding industry. But you've got to love it. It's a varied yeah. industry as well. So, yeah. so maybe you you started as a commie and you've discovered that the kitchen environment isn't for you. Stick them out in the bar, say they get on. Exactly, the yeah. Bar, yeah, 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 yeah. And and let's be honest, different businesses are completely different. Working in a, in a, in a sort of fast casual pizzeria like a Rudy's, which is fantastic. We all, I'm sure we all love yeah, it. Yeah, Lovely and busy and a real good buzz about it. He's like a million times different than working at Simpsons, isn't it? Still the hospitality industry. You're still dealing with people. Um, you know, I think that it's, I, I mean, I, I've, been very lucky i served some great people you know i just i think about some of the interactions that i had and like it really makes me smile and and, and i just used to love giving people a, a great experience you know mm. um and hopefully that's still i think people still do i think they do you know when we go out we you know we say we spoke about some restaurants before and just as we came on air there and you know 90 percent of the people we encounter work in these places you can tell that that's this yeah. is what they want to do. Yeah, they, they absolutely love it. Yeah. And they might have a bad day. Everyone has a bad day. Of course you do. But we go we tend to go to good places to be fair. And the good yeah. places do hire good people. Yeah. yeah. They know what they're doing. They're happy to be there. Yeah. You know, yeah. they feel they're being nurtured and looked after. Um yeah. I mean, I know you everyone comes back to money and you say, Well, I'll just pay them loads of money and I'll come. But there's been that many studies that have shown like up until a certain point. Once your basis of money has been covered to a certain point, it's not about that. It's all about feeling like you're needed, like you're wanted. Yeah. You got was it um, Maslow's um, hierarchy, hierarchy of needs. needs? Absolutely, that kind of thing. So yeah. there's that much studies. It's not just about money. No, it's about no. feeling valued. Sometimes people I know all the time they get paid very well, yeah. but they just don't feel like. Yeah, yeah completely. Learning good money, then. Yeah. Not happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I think that that you know, feeling you're being developed is something big. You know, especially it, even if it's not your career, even if you're working part time as a student, but you want to feel like you're learning stuff all the time. Mm. And then I think, like you said, feeling part of a team, feeling part of something. You know, being like very open and honest, and right, this is what we want to achieve tonight, guys. And then all getting together and having it you know on that Friday and Saturday night service whatever having a beer after and having a giggle it's like you can't replicate that you know that feeling like I always liken it to the way that I feel do, even doing what I'm doing I feel like a, like a retired footballer who, who watches the game now rather than playing in it <laughs> you know because like I miss it I'm, like I said to you again before we came on here it, that's what I was best at I was best at running a restaurant you know you put me front of house host point GM problems or or when I used to just run a section I just used to absolutely love it it was just that's that was the sort of best thing for me really so even just saying it just brought me back to sitting around the, the when everything's closed it's just the, the lads yeah. and the staff yeah and you're all sitting there having a do you remember that that's what came in tonight yeah, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. about that geezer came in yeah yeah you're having the crack and you're like oh 
Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Just that nice yeah, it, it, just it, 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 it is. It is. You know, the chefs would come out, and and you know, you'd all sit down. And I, I used to work a couple of places as well where you'd close in between lunch and dinner. And I remember a staff food um, a place called the River Station in Bristol. It was a two rosette place, really, really nice. Um, I used to love working there. And I was studying the degree that I didn't do well in while I was there. But I used to love going in, and then you'd have like the leftover bread from lunchtime. They'd make a salad, and you'd all sit down, all mix. Chefs in front of house, yeah, yeah. and it you know not everyone restaurant can do that. I appreciate you know some don't have that break where they close, and you know I mean as we know Brad's taken that you know staff meal like to the absolute next level yeah, of it like, being a marketing tool, yeah, um, you know books <laughs> um, and a recruitment tool. You know yeah. people are like, fuck, I want to go and eat that every day. Yeah, you know yeah. how, how unbelievably clever. I speak to. Not naming any names, but you know, I've spoken to people who might have worked there in the past. You say, and they say, sometimes it's a bit of a ball late to do it because you, you know, you're in the shit, and you, you know, this, that, and the other, and you got someone just pour, film me just pouring this fish sauce into here. Fuck off, to send four of them, you know. Uh, but it's clever, and it, and and I love to see it every day. I mean, last time I was in there, I was on the chef's table. I was like, can you get me in the in the story, you know, for today. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, we can. And I'm just there like, eee. <laughs> I was like watching it the next day, like buzzing. <laughs> it's just small things that don't cost a lot. You can just do that and make people. Yeah, feel, yeah, feel yeah, yeah. No, they're good guys there, aren't they? You, you kind of touched on um, Great British Eatery. I don't know how much you want to talk about it or so what made I, you want to start your own business first? Uh, well, I've always wanted my own business, really. I, I, I started a business, uh, I was about 11, washing cars, and I gave it a brand name and I made some <laughs> stickers to put on the buckets and shit like that. I've always wanted to earn my own money. You know, that was very important to me. Um, I had three jobs at one point, paper round, KP, and uh, used to glass collect as well. Um, so I've just always wanted to earn my own money really from a young age. And I think I just, being in the hospitality industry, I'd, I'd, I'd done something very structured with Mitchells and Butlers. I'd done something then with the Apre guys, which is kind of an independent group. And I just was, I really wanted to start to open a gastropo. I thought that a, a really good gastropo, and, and to be honest, I, I still do feel like, um, you know, Kingham Plough-esque sort of multi-rosette would do very, very well here uh, in a pub environment. We've got some good gastro pubs of the lovely pubs and peach kind of ilk, but actually, you know, taking it the kind of step above. But I realised how much money you'd need to open a gastro pub and I shut my arse and I thought, <laughs> right, let's go and do something else. And so fish and chips, like, look, you know, it was just really, really badly done here. You've got some traditional fish and chip shops. Like George and Helen's around the corner from me, good, good chippy man, really good. But but what I was as I was looking into um, and, and researching, we was having fish and chips of the gods, you know, and we were driving round. By the point we knew we were going to do it, we could have three portions, four portions of fish and chips a day, and just share them. And I mean, yeah, it was just superb. So I just felt that no one was doing it very well here, you know, and 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 actually that the barriers of entry because of the cost were you know it was more accessible um so yeah myself and uh and a pal uh got it going there was four of us in the first instance but it didn't do well uh, very quickly you know it, we opened the day that the credit crunch was announced in 2008 and we were next to a domino's and a subway and they were doing you know meals for a pound and, and, yeah. and we just couldn't do that you know we, we'd set up as a premium product we fried everything to order um, you know, we double cook the chips. It was all about how can we do it the best we could do it, not the cheapest. You know, if you're going to open a, a chip shop and and 
it needed it probably was in the wrong location really you couldn't stop your car there like it was good for offices at lunchtime we had a decent ish lunchtime trade but um there's a couple of places you know you kick yourself location 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 in it um we were lucky enough in in 2010 to be voted as the number one shop in england which is i mean i've still got the plaque we were number three in the uk but number one was in scotland number two was in wales and, and we were the english shop um, so we were third in the UK that year, number one in England. And, you know, it's still one of my greatest professional achievements. So like when you say about, you know, how much do you want to talk about it? I'll fucking talk about it all day. Um, you know, you, you, you can't, you can't, I'll give it everything. Well, obviously we, that's the good bits, but then obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, going bankrupt is fucking shit. There's no doubt about it. I think it teaches you a lot of lessons. I mean, we set the it up as a, you know, as a partnership, which was the wrong thing to do because you've got the liability on it. And luckily, Neither of us had a lot of assets of which to speak. So there was only two people left in the business by the end of it, myself and one of my best pals, Andy. And, um, you know, we, we 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 could have kept on going, not earning any money and working 100-hour weeks, but you've got to get get to a point where you're like, what, what's going to happen here? Mm. You know, I mean, let's bear in mind, it was before any of the delivery markets. There was no social media. There was no independent Birmingham. There's no I choose Birmingham. So, like... The way that everyone gets behind the indies now, I mean, we still lose some that we don't want to lose, which is deeply saddening. But I think if you put fast forward a few years and we might have had a bit of a, a bit of a chance, really, you know, to do deliveries. We had to get our own fucking van. We had to get our own this, that and the other. You know, someone had phone up and be like, right, I want a delivery there. We had no way of saying, like, was it quicker to do there, 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 or there? Just get in the fucking van with the geezer's chips and drop them off. You know? um, so there was a lot of naivety there. Um, but the product, I mean, I miss the product. I mean, a, ch a chippy's opened that was meant to be very, very good in a Birmingham postcode. And I've tried it three times and I won't go back. I mean, I, mm. I mean, it was okay, but it wasn't great. Best I've had in the country is the Magpie Cafe in Whitby. It's amazing. Really good, famous fish and chip shop. A guy, he's won best in the country. I just think it's such a beautiful dish when it's done well. You know where they do good fish and chips? Thai Kwasu. Really? Serious, that makes me want to go to the zoo now. It's <laughs> <laughs> good fish and chips. They take it really seriously. Black Country Museum is meant that. to be good as well. Yeah, Black Country. Because they do. Because yeah, we fried really in dripping. Good. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it fries, fries, fries at the high um, point, of really high temperature. So, you know, the fish really, a big piece of fish is only going to be in there six minutes before it's cooked and about as crispy as anything. Lovely, you know, flaky fish in, in, in the middle. It's just beautiful. Did I made tarts? I'm fucking starving now, boys. Yeah, Jeez, I, I want some fish and chips. I've never been there, but you know uh, Laura bought your brum and yeah. uh, Ian. They always go back up to where he's from, clearly. Oh, that, and they yeah. put pictures of their fish and chips, yeah. and I'm so fucking jealous. Yeah, like, yeah. Why doesn't yeah. ours look like she, that? They, they know their fish and chips. Then pair most definitely. I've, yeah. I've spoken to both of them about fish and chips quite a lot. I just think it, you know our national dish. It's, it, yeah. it should be done. Better, really, really. Well, you know. I understand now at the minute why it's quite hard to do it quite well because obviously cost of oils like trebled, cost of cuts, trebled, everything, cost, cost of, of heat in the oil, yeah, yeah. everything's ridiculous. Everyone's, everyone's cutting day. costs and they understand. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as I say, margins were were sort of tight there. You know, I mean, we we served everything. You know, where people are just wrapping it in paper, we served it in biodegradable recyclable cardboard boxes you know they were expensive we used knives and forks that are made out of like potato starch we wanted to be super sustainable well you ahead know, of your time then well we but i think because nor normally for most fish and chip shops the dad the uncle yeah, yeah. owns the chippy yeah. and they go 
you fucking do it like that. Or you ain't doing it. You know what I mean? And we didn't have that. What we did it was we were like, that, right, we can do whatever we want. And we went round at least 50 good shops. I mean, at least. And we just went, we like that. We like that. We like magpies, just picking every little bit of what was great from them. Uh, and, and you know what? As an industry... It's an industry that loves helping their own because actually all they want is better shops that raise the bar and put more pride into it. And I mean, we were quite marketable as well. You know, the Broadway Plaza that we were part of, uh, they had that, that like a marketing team that, you know, two young lads doing the national dish and, and going out on their own in, in, in a bad economic climate. It was, it, was, it was a nice little story really. And we got quite a bit of coverage and stuff. Met some cool people as well, you know, through the, we did some good little pop-ups, uh, did did a purity beer tasting night with Paul Halsey, that was really nice. nice, did some special bits and bobs, and we did a secret dining society, do you know Carl Finn who used to do SDS, so it used to be like hidden, hidden nights, so you wouldn't know what you was getting in it, he just put it out on his social, 30 covers, uh, fish sort of tasting menu. And he'd just sell on it. On Twitter, for, just on Twitter. Yeah, just it, yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. And he'd be like, it's 50 quid. Yeah, yeah. Meeting five ways, holding a lemon on that night once you've paid your money. And we did seven course tasting. We did like John Dory with triple cut chips. Everyone got up and did their own. We dropped one of the fryers with the beef dripping and everyone got up and did like ice cream balls, battered, fried, rolling it all in like hundreds and thousands and stuff. We did an anchovy ice cream, a bit like Heston. We just did all sorts, like some of the fun stuff. We used to fuck about with that fryer. We'd batter anything, man, <laughs> anything. I mean, cream eggs, like I'd just hear Andy, like he'd been up over at Tesco's, like, it, not anything, trust me. You'd just try and fry oh, it, you I know. fried pickles, you know. Oh, frickles, they're unreal. A, a frickle is fantastic. Yeah, it's a um, thing of beauty, isn't it? A lot of people hadn't heard of them until, like, Meat Shack opened and they did off-menu frickles, but they're in, they are amazing. Yeah. Like, really good. The first time I had it was, um, what was the burger place uh, in London off Regent Street where it had all the graffiti and it was really dark. Uh, they started from street food. And I was like... That's the future. Like, that is the future there. You know, like nice, like a nice, almost a tempura batter. You don't know, like a big, thick batter, do you? It's like a nice, yeah, thin batter. But yeah, blue cheese dip, bush. I mean, yeah, the bad Snickers. Yeah. Battered Snickers. Are but every, every, like, trust me, snack. if you're going to ask me about, like, did you <laughs> batter chocolate the fucking lot, man? We did a pop up the day um, that Boris said um, that we couldn't go out to pubs anymore. You can, you don't, you can stay open. But I don't think anyone should go. Good old Boris. Well done yeah, for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we were up at Pint Shop. Pint you all remember there, Pint yeah, Shop? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's class. So, um, I'm, I'm battered at, cream egg. Yeah, you know we did the batter, oh, battered cream egg, cream egg as, as a pudding. And, and I thought they did a really good job of the product as well. You yeah, know, like immense, the, yeah. the guys, you know, pretty much followed the way that we used to kind of do things really. And, and that was really good. And it was lovely because I saw a lot of the old faces who used to come to the shop and like used to enjoy it. And I, I worked front of house that weekend. And I miss it. I, don't get me wrong, I miss it. But um, I just wish I could. If anyone wants to do it, if anyone wants the name, yeah. and I'll tell you how to do it. You can, <laughs> anyone listening? In? You weren't tempted to do orange chips. Um, they were. They became a thing as we as we were open, really, and I think they're bloody lovely. I must yeah, admit, yeah, yeah, no, really, really good. Um, I think the way that we kind of double fried and stuff, slightly different. But I, I mean, I do, I do love them. It's like a bit more of a black country thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you go you know, there, they're everywhere. But they're class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where can we go and get some fish and chips after this? Point? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> can we pause it and go and get some fish and chips? <laughs> Have you ever spoke to somebody who says they don't like fish and chips? 
you know, they either exactly, don't eat yeah. fish. <laughs> yeah. But if you eat fish, you're like, I love fish and chips. And it is, it's a beautiful, beautiful meal. And actually, as far as like takeaways go, it's pretty healthy. People think it's not. If it's done right, it's it's pretty healthy. Frying in beef dripping like that, because it's only in the oil for a certain amount of time, as long as you drain it off, you know, it's, you know, you compare it to some of the other options that one could have. Uh, you know, if you compare it to like a butter chicken or a chicken tikka masala, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it'd be like way better. Well, so you're not confiting the chips. You're sealing yeah, yeah. the outside super exactly. quick and crispy. Exactly. Right? And I, I ain't telling anyone to go out and have it every fucking night. I, I wouldn't <laughs> mind. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> but yeah, let's, let's, let's part the fish and chips. Yeah. It was, it, it was a good time. Uh, it taught me a lot. What was your biggest lesson? That's what my real question was. I, I learned just how hard I could work. We, we were doing sometimes, you know, 90 hour weeks. What was your I, biggest lesson from the failure? Um, I don't know, really. I suppose the, 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 the way that I wanted to use my time moving forwards, really, the, the fact that I, I had some offers to come back into the industry, some decent GM roles, and I, I didn't want to do that. It was just a case of, I knew I wanted to do something to do with hospitality, but mm. I didn't want to do those hours at the time. I was with uh, my partner who, wasn't in the industry, uh, wasn't yeah. doing those kind of hours. So you sort of look at it and go like, do I really want to be like, you know, if, if you work in some busy places, you, you know, you could be out all day Friday, all day Saturday and all day Sunday if you've got a decent Sunday lunch trade. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't worry, you know, we, we have last orders at five o'clock on a Sunday, so I'm getting out at eight, you know. It's, and you go for a few drinks after with everyone. Well, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I suppose, you know, it, it, it was, it was. don't get me wrong, it was really, really hard. And, and probably the biggest thing I learned was how to survive on fuck all, because when you're bankrupt, mm. um, you know, it was just pretty, pretty hardcore for a bit. But actually it kind of taught me what was a little bit important. I remember when I first was able to get a mobile phone contract again, because obviously you can't have anything on credit at all. I come out the EE shop, like clicking my heels, you know, like people must have been like, fucking hell, has he got a free phone or what? You know, I just got a contract. But um, yeah, I sort of learned how to not, you know, worry about doing all the things on credit and just sort of spending what I've got really. So I suppose there's a few lessons to be learned. But um, I'm a big believer, like people always go, oh, I bet you could change it. And I'm kind of like, I wouldn't ch- really change anything I've done in my life. You know, I've had it, the, the, the bad things are your bumps in the road. But what about if you didn't have those bad things and you ended up on a different road? Like if you're happy where you are, you know, you have some really, we all have shit, don't we? Like life is a fucking roller coaster, And I wouldn't change that. You know, I wouldn't. It's, it's got me to kind of where I am. I met so many people through that. My network really was, and obviously my network's incredibly useful now in, in what I do. So, yeah, I wouldn't change it. Would you say you're better at kind of spotting people who are kind of making similar mistakes or something? So, um, you know, some everyone sells you this big business, don't they? They come to you with this big business idea or I'm going to do this, I want to open this, and you're sitting back thinking... Yeah, I think, <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> I think that you just need to, you know, we were probably a little bit naive with regards to our location. Mm. You really got to think about your location. But I'm a firm believer, actually, that, you know, nowadays, you know, if you look at, like, some of the locations of certain things in Birmingham, they're a little bit off the beaten track, but it's a small city now, really. Like, you know, we could walk to almost the other side. We could walk to Digbeth from here, and we're pretty much the other side of the city, excuse me. So... I think, yeah, you just got to be, if you're sure and you're passionate and you're willing to work hard, I think there's, the, the, you know, there's a lot of ideas out there that we haven't got in the city. There's a lot of restaurants mm. we haven't got that I think, mm, you know, could still be that. exploited by people. I think mean, that's a whole other podcast to go into. That. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to just skip that bit. But So it brings us nicely to how you got to recruitment after you left. 
TV. Yeah, so I spent, as I said, a little bit of time at the College of Food. They found out about what had happened and I think they reached out and said, you know, if you want to come and do do a minute here, you can. So that I was mm. very, I'll be eternally grateful for that because it just gave me the time to have a think about what I wanted to do next, really. And a friend of mine said, you know, you, you, you're a confident guy, you know, talking to people and stuff, gobshite. And, um, you know, he's like, I'm sure you'd do pretty well on the phone. Come and do a bit of recruitment for me and, and just see if you like it. And it was sales and marketing recruitment. And I did quite like it, albeit it was not what I was really interested in at all. So I kind of felt after a few months of doing that with this mate that if I was to do this, it was going to have to be in, in hospitality, you know, in catering. My knowledge and passion, you know, is, is there. So I, I did it for someone else for a little bit. And then I met uh, my old boss from Off to Work. Uh, Off to Work is a, a casual staffing agency uh, and no one did permanent recruitment for them. So I said I'd love to set up the perm department. By this point, I was probably 18 months into bankruptcy. So it would still be another five and a half years before I could run my own business again and be a director. But let's practice with someone else's money. <laughs> but a great company as well. I still have fantastic links enough to work and I only would have left to set Tonic up. You know, that I, I had great times with Off to Work. They're a great company and I met some wonderful people and I got to work on some unbelievable events. I worked at the F1. I worked at the British Open. I watched more golf than I could ever have imagined. You know, I used to look after the uh, managing director of MasterCard every year in, in as one of the patron sponsors and, you know, he used, to, he used to be like every year, be like, Sea Dog, we got Sea Dog again. <laughs> Give me the Rioja Sea Dog. You know, like just like just great experiences. They, they're, they're strapped on as a business, is, is enabling amazing experiences for, I guess, the people that work for them as a, as a casual and and, and, and everyone else and, and the people who are going to the events. And, and it was, you know, like it was really cool doing that and doing the permanent recruitment. We grew the team here, we grew the team in London. And I realized that, you know, I could make this this work when the time came really um so then uh, it was just a people's people's business same as hospitality same as front of house exactly yeah i think a lot of people in recruitment um when you get to a party uh you're you you say oh you're a recruiter go and stand over there with the estate agents <laughs> do you know what i mean uh they do have a, have a bit of a brad rap and i think rightly so as well you know there's a lot of people who are very numbers driven they don't really care about the client they don't really care about the candidate it's just get them in and get them out and i've heard some right horror stories to be perfectly honest mm. i'd use recruiters as a client and i'd use them as a candidate in the past in the time in the industry never been placed by anyone but my experiences weren't good so uh and all the while i was working for after work i was thinking about how i would really be the best recruiter I could be and start the best business. And so um, I, I was good friends with David Colcom at the time. He'd left Opus. And David introduced me to, uh, to a lady who invested the money. She's got a fantastic PR company. Her name's Liz Lewis-Jones uh, called Liquid PR. And she invested the money to start Tonic Off. Uh, and then it was something that David and she very much did to help me. I bought the business uh, off her after a, a couple of years and the rest is history, really. We are sort of six years later. Pandemic was interesting. Uh, yeah. You know, I've only got a small team. Uh, managed to, to top their salary up every single month throughout the whole of the time. Um, sadly, I, I couldn't get anything um, because of, of, of the way that things are. But, you know, I'm not the only one. People would say to me, don't you think you should have more support? 
I'll say if, if you if you start giving me more support, you give the fisherman the potato man, you give everyone more support. I could go and recruit whatever I wanted, couldn't I? No one's making me recruit purely for hospitality. I could go off and do whatever I wanted. I mean, if someone would have told me how long it was going to be, I'd have gone and been a delivery driver or stacked shelves. As I said to you earlier, I like working. You know, I'm someone who's always took enjoyment from the getting up, going to work, working really hard, having downtime at home or meeting up with friends afterwards and having a really good time. You know, it's that work hard, play hard mentality of, you deserve the drink at the end of the night kind of thing, you know, and, and I found the, the lockdown just like, I know, <laughs> thousands of people, uh, hundreds of thousands of people, everyone found it an absolute nightmare. But yeah, it was just, it's just that not knowing, you know, it's mm. that needing to be on point in case Tonic needed to go again. And then oh, we're opening back up again and having a few inquiries and then we're off again. And, you know, if someone had said, you could go and get a job for 18 months, I'd have got a job, you know, I really would, so... We're still here. We're still fighting. Um, I, I love what I do. Um, I'm very, very lucky. You know, I speak to friends some mornings on the way into work and they're a bit down in the mouth or whatever after Christmas. Oh, I don't want to go back. I've had time with the kids. And I'm like, it's great. You know, I love what I do. Um, we do a lot. We're involved in a lot in the city, in the industry as well. Um, and yeah, we keep ourselves nice and busy. I think we're valued by our clients and our candidates, which I think is really important. Um, of course we're a necessary evil of course they'd love to put an Instagram post out and get 12 CDPs walking through the door next Saturday but they're not going to get that um, and I think that you know we are looked at by a lot of our clients as, a, as an extension of their brand um, a lot of people will come to us when they just want genuine advice and I am more than happy to give anyone advice you know I had someone call up because they'd seen a post that we did and they were going for a job for another recruiter and he said I oh, know and I said I'll, I'll give you some I don't care I'll give you some help I'll give you some advice it's not always about that money 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 grab 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 sort of yeah. what a lot of people a lot of recruiters are, are looked at like that and if anything I want to be the complete antithesis of that in order to try and readdress the balance don't get me wrong I want to get paid yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I think that we we give a lot back. We give a lot of our time back. We do a lot for different charities. We do a lot for different organisations and, and the industry. And like that, that's a lot of time. That that's I could be doing other things during that time. But I think it's important. Yeah, I mean, I'm not blowing up smoke here because you're saying in front of us. We speak to a lot of people in the industry, and you've you are really well respected. Tonic's well respected. Yeah, yeah I hope I so. Think that's because you do give back to the community as well. Yeah, I think so. I hope so anyway. Um, you know, it, for us, it's, it's very important to do that. I mean, the passion's there. You know, I want the best mm. for the industry. I, yeah, I, I go yeah, and you're lecture. you for these guys anyway. Yeah, definitely. You know, I go back and lecture uh, at UCB and, you know, they give you a little bit of money, which I always donate to Hospitality Action. We obviously started Chef, which is our, uh, our networking group here in the Midlands. It stands for Catering Hospitality Education Forum. And it's for operators. We... We used to do it once a month, but that's quite a lot for us. So it's we have six meetings a year and it's free for anyone in the Midlands who's an operator in hospitality or, you know, even if one of you guys wanted to come, you know, if, you, if you're invested in the industry, what we don't want is like loads of like butchers who are trying to sell meat to chefs come along or <laughs> yeah, stuff like yeah. that. Like, I don't want vultures circling, trying to get their like time with someone and trying to sell to them. But people are passionate about the industry. I mean, we have some fantastic people come to speak and it's it's a real honour to kind of head that up here, really. Um, we do work with Springboard. Uh, I do a lot of stuff with Love Brum, which is obviously very, you know, linked to the city and also mm -hmm. Cypher Fireside as well, the homeless mm -hmm. charity. 
how did you get an invite to this? Or was it just a link? Um, or? To be honest, we've got a, a list of about 70 people who've either been before or they've contacted us. Mm. Um, we used to do some social for it, but since Caitlin's been off on maternity, our social shit, because she's the expert. <laughs> so if you look, you can see on the timeline of our social when Caitlin went on maternity, because it went shit, you know. So um, Caitlin, if you listen to this, we miss you. And please, can you come back? Um <laughs> So you just just contact us through any of the different means, like any 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 way of messaging us through any of the socials. If you search Tonic Talent and you you drop us a message or you you hop onto the website and just say I'm interested in Chef, this is my email. Then you know people can come along. So the next one is on the 27th of March at the Grand Hotel, and we're talking. We've got some a gentleman uh, to come and talk uh, called Matt from a business called Hospro. When I say a business, yes, it is how he makes his money, but it's, it's his second time uh, coming to see us. And he tells a, a really, really powerful story about uh, his experiences within the industry. And I'm not going to kind of ruin it, but uh, he, he's he got a sort of ways of, of talking to people about happiness within their businesses and how happy people really are. You were saying earlier about, it's not about giving people a few more quid. We spoke yeah, about yeah. development and this, that, and the other. But actually, let's take all of those things away. Yes, they're all very important, but how happy are you? That happiness depends on different things then, mm. you know, and, and he talks about that and, and he had a, a very bad experience, which is, which is manifested itself into now a very good experience. And he's, he's making a kind of a business out of this, but it's his second time coming to talk and I know it'll be fascinating. So, I mean, I think we've already got about 40 people. We could probably get it to about 60, 70. You do get a lot of people dropping off as well. You know, like any event, we've never wanted to charge for it. You know, we, we pay the travel of the person who, who's coming. Uh, uh, but other than that, we beg, borrow, and steal everything. Uh, so the, the grand, very, uh, we're very grateful to the Grand Hotel this time for for hosting us. But last time it was at Urban Coffee. We had a fantastic couple of discussions uh, over at Urban. The Drinks Trust, who are a, a benevolent charity that that I personally hadn't heard of, are trying to launch here in Birmingham, and they came and did a talk, which was fantastic. Um, Another thing we're involved in, which I could give a, a shameless plug to, is uh, Be Inclusive Hospitality. So Be Inclusive are, they approached us looking to help with their Birmingham launch. They launched in um, London some time ago. It's a not-for-profit organisation. And it's about getting uh, people from marginalised communities and backgrounds into the hospitality industry. Um, I can only speak for our networking uh, events there are a lot of white faces in that room and like that's I don't think what anyone wants it's 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 completely not representative of the fantastic multicultural uh city that we all absolutely embrace and, mm. and, and love so um yeah we're if, if again if you just keep an eye on our socials we're looking to uh we're running an event again that the, the grand of of very uh we're very grateful that they said that they will host uh to launch be inclusive hospitality here in birmingham they, they just want to sort of piggyback on our, our network which we're more than happy to do give up some time and you know there's going to be a really fantastic panel discussion we're hoping to have uh, some really interesting things happening. We, we've got our, our our first sort of kickoff meeting this Friday morning, and it's in uh, it's in uh, it's going to be in April. So it's April the twenty fourth. 
April the 24th. Yeah, April the 24th at the Grand Hotel. Um, so that one, as I say, that that the only thing that we are putting into that is that we're using our network to help to drive, uh, you know, people to the event. Mm. I think there'll be a small cost, uh, you know, mm. associated f- f- for that event. But um, there's going to be a really interesting panel discussion. There'll be some food and drinks obviously available. And uh, it'll be a really nice opportunity to kind of network and spread the word for being inclusive. So... If anyone's interested in that, again, please get in touch. You can follow those guys on social as well. Um, I'll so send some links in there. Yeah, yeah that'd notes, be yeah. fantastic. Thank you. I'll send some across. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm in a lucky position where people will come to us like that. And but I'm sure like you're like mega busy as it is. Like, why is it important for you to do that kind of stuff? Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I'm a believer in, in giving a bit, really. I just think that I, I, I see some people who do way more than I do. I see people who do less and I just think if you're in a position where you can help people with your network or you can give up some time. So, you know, the, the, the walk for wellbeing that we do for hospitality actually yeah. takes up a lot of time that a lot of time, you know, last year here in Birmingham, we maybe had 30 odd people walking. We should be having loads more than that here, man. You know, we've been banging the drum about that for hospitality action for a long, long time. And, you know, not, you don't have to get sponsorship if you don't want, but, you know, it is about raising a little bit of money. But, you know, if everyone who came and walked got like 50 quid, we'd, we'd have had loads of dough. But, so but anyone could have joined the team. Like, it wasn't just, you weren't just looking for tonic and relationship. Oh, God, no, no, yeah. no. As you say, you know, Joe, Joe helped us with that as well. Uh, you know, a few people walked from Albert Schloss. Mm. A few people walked from Tattoo Urban. A few people from The Grand. Uh, a couple of people from the Ivy as well. And and there's going to be people that I've forgotten there. So I'm really, really sorry to people that I've forgotten. But, um, you know, it was really lovely. It's it was good really fun, nice. I suppose. It's not like it was, you know what? It was really good fun. We yeah. had a lovely day. It was in October. This year, it's the, the structured walks on the 8th of October. But pe- people can walk wherever they want. And it's to raise money for hospitality action and to raise awareness uh, uh, of well-being and mental health as well. You know, for people who don't know, where was it that you just walked? It was, so um, we started, it was really kindly hosted uh, by the guys down at Crazy Pedro's this year. So we started and, and ended there. But we went all down the old sort of canal network, round to Brindley Place, out towards uh, some really lovely, like, leafy green areas of the um, Edgbaston Reservoir, down the Harbour Walkway, the Harbour Mile into Harbour, very... Um, Grateful to the guys at the plough. They put some refreshments on there. So just some water and whatnot. We could stop. Obviously, I had a point, but, you know, water was also available. Uh, and then from there, back into Brum, through the city centre and down to Digbeth. You know, it's a nice little 20 kilometre, maybe four hour sort of stroll with some really lovely people. And look, we had a real yeah. giggle, man. You know, and, and again, I think the reason we started Chef as an industry, we don't get together much. Mm. We don't get together much. Okay, people are working. Okay, people are busy. I, I, I understand that. But actually, it was a really nice opportunity to all come together as, as our meetings are and just share what's going on and kind of talk. And yeah, I think that it, a lot of industries do it brilliantly. Yeah. And they're always networking. And it's like there's something every night. And why don't we? Mm. I think it's you because you're, most people in the industry are working most nights. <laughs> whereas like most nine to fivers they're happy to come and do something yeah yeah no you're right I mean it's like you know. when we speak to chefs and we say oh we used to ask them I think we don't do yeah, it what's your favourite restaurant, your favorite restaurant? and they know. say I don't know because when we're yeah. closed they're closed <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I eat beans and toast and a noodle mate <laughs> yeah yeah I mean it's with our things we, we do it on a Monday our meetings uh, for chef 
and we do it in the Monday afternoon. And some people go, oh, you know, that's one of my only days off, which I completely get. And, you know, it's just, it's hard. It's hard with anything, mm, yeah. you know, to sort of get a, a volume of people there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, the, the, there's some good opportunities for people to kind of muck in and, and network and kind of build what we've got here as a hospitality industry in the Midlands a little bit more. I think we've all, I think we all, we all owe it to the industry and to each other to do what we can to support it. Now that could be picking an independent to go and have some food rather than a big national chain because it's better for the region. Or that might be, you know, attending a networking thing or raising some money for a local charity with regards to the industry. Who knows, you know, mm. but I think if we're all a little bit more mindful of, of the way that we're going about it, then it can only make the world a little bit of, a, our little local world a bit of a better place. Because really. we'll miss it when it's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll totally, totally. Well, we all know what it's like when it's gone as well, don't we? Because we all had the <laughs> pandemic and we were all <laughs> yeah, yeah. crawling the walls. Mm. It's a kind of tonic focused for anyone who doesn't know, what, what is it exactly you do on the day-to-day? So your recruitment kind of is a bit vague, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, you know, we're, we're an absolute specialist in hospitality and catering recruitment, and that's all that we do. We don't go recruiting for any other industries, etc. cetera. Um, people will come to us either who are looking for work, they're looking for a job. So yeah. I'm a candidate, I'm a chef, uh, and and we will ask them, you know, what they're looking for, the culture of their business, what they've enjoyed about roles before, and really try and find a, a really great match for their next career move. Conversely, we might work from the client side where someone comes to us and says, we need a chef and we need them to be this, this, and this, and X, Y, and Z. And, you know, I'll ask them a lot of questions about the business and the opportunity, the training, the onboarding, and then we'll try and go away and and find a really good match for that. And we work with businesses nationwide. We've done a bit of international stuff, uh, and that could be from a street food trader up to a a multinational five-star hotel. For us, it's about it being a great business, I think that's really, really important. We, we say no to at least a third of the inquiries that we get because we don't need vacancies. What you know, bless my mom. Every time she drives past a pub in our centre nowhere, she phones me and goes, "They need a chef at the Robin Hood," you know. And I'm like, "Fucking hell, mom! Everyone needs a chef." You know what I mean? But I don't uh, put her off. She will undoubtedly listen to this. Um, so sorry, mom. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the power really is in the candidate now. We used to, we would have gotten cock a hoop uh, before the pandemic, getting some of the vacancies that we we have access to now. But actually, if you find a great person and you can really get their buy-in and, and find them the next move, then that's that's really what what the key is now. Um, and and you know we are we're members of of REC, which is the Re- Recruitment and Employment Confederation. So we have to do things right. You know we're kind of audited and we. I don't don't want to go into the boring bits of recruitment, but for me, you know, there are some shyster recruiters out there. I've heard some horror stories of people pulling people out after a few months that they've put in somewhere to put them somewhere else when they've got paid. And, you know, you get tired with that brush. Um, People lying to candidates about the opportunity. Oh, it's the best thing since sliced bread. And it's horrendous. I, I would, if someone can go and spend a couple of days in a business to really see it, the candidate might say to me, well, that's just free labour. No, it's your chance to go and see them mm. as much as them see you. Yeah. You know, I think people need to remember that people who are serious about their career, when you go for an interview, it's a two-way process. Mm. 
they've got to try and impress you as much as you've got to try and yeah. impress them. Is it the norm? You know, you say, oh, we would like to set a candidate down or a business down and get some, like, a feel for the business or a feel for the candidate, get their personality. Yeah, good recruiters. normal, yeah? Good, really good yeah. recruiters, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I know of, of some... I mean, obviously, you'd make more money if you just I wanna, quickly threw everybody yeah. into every role, you know. Like totally. Like I know some people who do everything over the phone, and we, we used to meet people uh, if they were local. But actually, we were doing recruitment in Scotland and we weren't meeting them. We were having as much success as we were meeting them. So now we do everything over a video call, but you will screen them and then do the video call. Uh, and we also tend to record a little bit of the video call as well and send it over to the client. So, yeah, we're much more thorough, um, yeah. I think, than our... It's almost like a job interview in itself. Yeah, it is, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I called one of our really good clients the other day i said i found a cdp he's absolutely brilliant i'm about to send the cv he says just make him a job offer he just trusted me that much he didn't even look at the cv he just said just make him the job offer if he can start on money like that just i'll trust you and i offered him verbally that bang and then that was that you know i mean that's a level of trust i remember when i first got into recruitment um doing the sales and marketing uh, someone I, I was talking to, they weren't within our business, but kind of a little mentor. Uh, she knew someone so well that that she didn't have to send CV. She just put them on the person's calendar, the client's calendar to meet. She's like, I can see a gap on the calendar, bang. And I thought, that's what you want to attain, that level of trust. You know, it's like when you go to an Andy Stumps pop-up, don't matter what's on the fucking menu, you know it's going to taste good, right? Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, you yeah. just trust Andy to just cook some absolutely mustard food. And, you know, it's nice to be in that position of trust with our, our candidates and our clients, really, that hope, hopefully we, we are in. Uh, and if, you know, if, if you get it wrong, you, you hold your hands up and you, you go back to the drawing board. But we don't get it wrong very often, I think. You know, we're, we're pretty... Yeah, Touchwood, uh, lucky, and it's strange because the harder we work, the luckier we get. <laughs> a lot of people find that. We spoke earlier a little bit about what businesses can do to be more attractive, like be better employees. Yeah, employers. Yeah. What can candidates do to be more employable? I think that it depends on the level of seniority. So I know that we spoke about you know about junior people coming into the industry, and when I go and go back and lecture at the College of Food, etc., about employability, it's like things that require zero talent you know people go oh that person's like cleverer than me or that da, 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 da. and like being on time giving 110 percent, having a positive attitude being enthusiastic being passionate using positive body language learning from your mistakes and being coachable being prepared being honest and going the extra mile anyone can do all of them can't they any one person can do all of them. I, I, I could. I've got as much ability to do that as yourself or yourself. You know you what say I mean? Like positive, or not positive attitude, but having the right attitude. And we're finding more and more that we speak to people when we say, like, what do you, what do you look for when you look for someone? They all say, oh, the right attitude. Yeah, but totally. Can that be changed? Is that connected at all? Is that something? Uh, I think it, that when someone's got a bad attitude, it's just hard. I, I suppose if you get a fantastic manager who sees through your bit of negativity in the first instance mm. and then wants to take you under their wing and develop you, then yeah, I suppose it can. But more from the candidate's point of view, can I, can I look, listen to this and think, you know, I could probably do with working on my attitude a little bit. Yeah, well, I think people can, but it's hard, I think, with someone who's got a negative attitude that, that, they're, that they're ever going to have that thought about changing it. Yeah. To them, it's the norm kind of thing, you know. Mm. Um, I think people, you know, just... You want to look at where you're going to be happy and go and work somewhere you're going to be happy. You know, there are 
a myriad of different businesses from like when I went into Mitchells and Butler's, it was super sort of structured and the development was there. But if you wanted to be creative and think about something, no, there's no need to be creative, <laughs> sunshine. But I didn't mind that because I was learning, you know, but actually for me, I want to be somewhere where my ideas are listened to and it's not like making an adjustment to the business isn't like turning about, oh shit, but that's because I'm very entrepreneurial and I'm quite creative and I want to be able to be agile. Um, that's going to suit some people. I think it's about knowing you and what you want and then working somewhere that like reflection is going to kind of give you what you want. And then just, you know, yeah, but like there's very, there's, you know, very different businesses, different businesses, different needs. I, I absolutely adore a restaurant called Brat uh, in London. It is yeah, phenomenal. It's and the, the staff, I don't know what they're giving them, but it, they're like, but they're that natural. Yeah. You know, the way Australia like chatting here, like we could just like, the, you'd sit any of them down and, you know, they're like legends. And I think, some places have excellent service here in Birmingham, don't get me wrong, but that really relaxed, informal, but professional, mm. we don't really have that. We don't really have businesses that offer that. That's the kind of thing, it's very shortage, I get it, but, you know, that's the type of thing I think that would, a lot of young people could really buzz off that kind of thing here because I think that if you're working with someone like a Brad Carter or a Luke Tipping who's, I, look, I used to say to Luke, let me try that. And he'd love it. He'd be like, try this sauce, try this. Yeah. But but Simpsons might or Carters might not be the right environment for you. Well, why can't we get a brat? I'd love a brat, by the way. If you'd like to, <laughs> brat, if you'd like to open a burger, we'd love a brat. Super 8 restaurants. I believe the guy is a, is a Brummie originally, is the biggest investor. Um, but like somewhere where a young person can work with amazing produce and amazing wines, but they can lean on the fire extinguisher and, and call someone a soppy cunt. <laughs> and it's not a problem. Mm. You know, I mean, when I worked at Simpsons, a table wrote a letter to Andreas complaining because I interjected on a conversation. They were having a conversation about whether Tom Cruise was a great actor. And I was like, of course Tom Cruise is a great actor. Have you seen Born on the 4th of July and this, this, and this? How dare the waiter? How dare he? Well, I mean, yeah, come on. Jesus. Do you know what I mean? Like, I left not long after that because I was like, I love it there. I love the food. Don't get me wrong, it was there and... um when even Pennell's then, I can't even remember what his first place was called, Jessica's, his first place was called Jessica's. There were the two restaurants, that was where we were, you got good food, or if you wanted something a bit more relaxed, it was Bank, and actually, I'd worked at Bank as well. We, we've come, I mean, look at where we've come, we've been speaking about like, the long list as long as, as your arm of places, but this, we could still do with, with that little bit more relaxed and great, yeah, I mean, look, you know, just up the road from me, like Tierra Tacos, relaxed great you know you got one of the best barbers in the city who's taken up camp there in toby heap because he just wants to work with really good produce with nice people and have it chill and you know he used to run one of the best restaurant bars in ophim for me you know that the offering there and stuff he really helped to kind of get that going so i think it's about finding your home and, and thinking that's where I want to be and, and grafting, you know, like people all get on, young people. I, I do a lot of training with Springboard and I say to them, by the time you're 25, you could be running a two million pound business. There's nothing to say that an 18 year old couldn't be a GM of a Nando's in seven years, nothing, because the turnover rate's so yeah. high. And they go like, oh, what, you know about? I could be running a team. It's true. You know, all of those points that we said about the things that require zero talent, Anyone can do those things. And I stand there and I tell them and they go like, wow, okay. You know, so 
I think there's there's a lot there's a lot there's a lot of information there, but I think there's a lot of stuff that I've sort of accumulated over time. Enthusiasm, the, my big one tip, right, for anyone going for a job is enthusiasm will trump yeah. most things. Yeah. If you're passionate and enthusiastic, prior experience, you know, what you did in your exams, all of this rubbish, people don't give a fuck, man. You know, if you've got that glint in your eye about what you do and, and you can get that across to the customer and, you know, you'd like, you're willing to work hard and go the extra mile because all that will be driven from your enthusiasm. Yeah. Then I think, you know, I read an article by Karen Brady that I put in our interview prep that we send out and it, she said enthusiasm trumps everything. And she said she will often take people who've, who've not got on paper don't look as good because they were more enthusiastic at interview. Yeah, so I think they're the most two important most important points is enthusiasm and finding somewhere where the culture fits what you truly yeah, believe in. That definitely. Yeah. And because there's just there's such diversity among places, yeah. isn't there? Yeah, yeah. There's no point being a square peg trying to get into a round hole. No. Obviously the enthusiasm comes when you get the interview, but getting the interview is might not always be that easy. Is the CV still important? Or? It is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can't have a mistake. I mean, I don't get how anyone can have a mistake on a CV with spell checking now, really, mm -hmm. but get someone else to read it as well. You know, the, the, the old classic of it should really be two pages. People don't want it loads. 100% bullet point your CV, 100%. Yeah. And have some deliverables on there. So when I'm reading the CV of someone who's worked in Birmingham, I know how much bank turns over a week, I know how many covers it does, and I know all of that. But actually, someone reading it might not. So, if you were a head waiter in bank, you know, who, how, man, man, you know, managed a section of two commie waiters, uh, you know, of, of 120 covers on a busy Saturday night. Bullet point. Mm. Rather than just telling me like oh, I was a waiter, like what, what did you achieve? You know, uh, if you're a manager, what GP were you getting? You know, what was the turnover? What profit did you deliver? Those kinds of things. So, I like to see deliverables I suppose on a CV for someone of the right kind of level someone who's been a manager or what have you um, but yeah nice personal statement you know employment history reverse chronological order and there's no right or wrong answer really you might speak to someone else who says you know don't do a personal statement at the top I liked I like a little section on the bottom of a CV uh, that says a little bit about me I read I read a woman's when I very first got into recruitment maybe six months in and it was she entitled it a little bit about me and, and it, it really, it wasn't just like, I go to the cinema and I walk my dog <laughs> and I hang out with my friends. Cause like, of course we all fucking love walking the dog and going to the flicks. It was different. It was, you know, I love going on holiday and starting a book and, and reading it on the beach and, and feeling the sand beneath my toes while I then like finish the book by the end of the holiday. And I love seafood. Da, 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 da. It was, it was warm, you know? Mm -hmm. And actually I say to people again, some people would hate that. Some people would think, comrade, oh no, that's a load of bullshit. <laughs> but all of the other stuff makes me go, I want to employ you, I want to employ you, I want to employ you. That last bit goes, oh, I can't wait to have a beer with you at the end of the night. And in hospitality, that's important as well as the employable bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I, again, no right or wrong answer, but you definitely don't want any bloody mistakes on there really. Again, I, 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 don't, I don't edit CVs. So if a chef's CV comes to me with mistakes on... It goes with mistakes on. And I had one client once, only one, say, it's got spelling mistakes on. And I went, I know. Well, do, do I need to write you a fucking book or cook you a dinner? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, Because it, does it matter how this guy spells? He might be dyslexic. I don't give a flying fuck what he is. 
you know, one of the best chefs we've got in the city, I believe, is dyslexic, but he's fucking brilliant. Mm. So, like, what's, what's that matter? His leadership's Bob on. He's a bloody nice bloke. He can cook. Can't spell. I've got better things to do than to change his CV. A lot of, a lot of recruiters would change that CV. You know, they would change it. I think, what a load of bullshit. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm shit at spelling. It's just the computer tells me I've spelled it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I'm wrong. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. So, yeah, I think that's that's CVs, really. I've gone through my notes. We've pretty much done everything. Um, we can chat a little bit about the food in Birmingham, if you like. Yeah, that's that's Finish my favourite. Finish on a lighter, mate. We've got the important stuff out the way. Yeah, I think this is the important bit. Um, well, look, I mean... <laughs> you told us... Well, you and especially Joe kept saying, you haven't been to um, Trapea? Yeah. No, I haven't been to Trapea yet, Joe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then I went there and I thought, why the fuck haven't I been here? I know, <laughs> I know yeah. It's so long. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I've always had a massive bugbear with Italian. You know, for me, I've, I've, I love Italian food. I, I'll always ask chefs, tell me about your favourite cuisine, you know, and we'll talk about it. And there's nothing wrong with the guy who likes the sauce you know, French three days to get to a dish. There's nothing wrong with the mozzarella, the tomato and the basil and the olive oil, four ingredients that, whoa, it's just bob on in it. I just, why have we not had a good Italian? You know, people used to like rave about San Carlo and I've got a mate who goes and I always take the piss out of him because he bloody loves it. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, look, if, if that's your thing, fine. But that it's, you know, if you go... I like that, laggies. I, do like I love laggies. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love laggies. Yeah, I love laggies and, and I really like what they're doing at uh, Trentina now. I think that the pasta's as good as anywhere that we've got. Mm. But like before before they opened, we had nowhere making fresh pasta in the whole city. Nowhere making fresh, <laughs> other than Jamie's Italian. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's desperate. So I think they've done a great job. Uh, you know, the, again, we spoke earlier on about uh, alumni of UCB and, and Ben and Kasha have both come through UCB. And it's fantastic to see, you know, I mean, they, they wouldn't think of themselves as, as young people, but to me that, you know, they're two young people uh, who've, who've set up a phenomenal restaurant uh, there that it just goes from strength to strength. Um, don't go though, because I can't ever get in anymore. No, no, okay. So it's, one. it used to be that uh, my partner and I could just walk up. It's the closest restaurant to our house as the crow flies. And we could just walk up and it squeeze us in, you know, there's a window seat or whatever, but don't, don't go. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm about to get the violin there, but the amount of times I look on Facebook and Instagram and you've eaten out somewhere again, I was like, <laughs> like. Yeah. My mate, a lot you, of, yeah. Do, some people do. you have do a kitchen, though? We have a kitchen and, I, I, and I, I use it pretty well, yeah. I mean, as I said to you at the start, you know, I love to eat out. You know, Joe and I, we, we love we love eating out. I, I think, you know, I love to support the industry as well. Um, but yeah, just, you know, it's, it's, it's a lovely thing to do is to just go and kind of sit and eat. And, and I suppose because of what I do, I do, I do put the Instagram post up whenever I go somewhere. So to some people, it'd be like, you know, you eat, you eat out a lot. I mean, there were two places I didn't go to this weekend. The, uh, the, the rabbit pop-up at, um, Ravine Rabbit. Ravine Rabbit. Yeah. I mean, I everyone is raving about it and I would have loved to have gone to that. Um, it looked phenomenal, but you, you know, you, just, you kind of can't do everything. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> what not, we said. We go to like, this restaurant, this restaurant. This. We can't just go to every restaurant no, all the time. We, no. we just couldn't afford to do it. To no, no one, no one could afford it. Exactly. You know, no one could afford it. Um, we're very lucky as well that um, Joe's son, he, he quite getting into eating out. We took him a few restaurants when we were down in London. 
Uh, we took him to Col, which was mm, absolutely man. fantastic. We took him to uh, Zabor, which he really loved, and they really made a fuss of him. And we took him to uh, Brat as well, and the, Brat's his favourite. Uh, but he loves going up to like Trentina, uh, Trapea. You know, he likes a little Dishoom. And like for a nine-year-old, he'll sit and have a chat. And we look at Joe's like talking about him and oh, I wonder what he's like at school, you know, what would he get in it? And I was like, do you know what? The most important, he's a nine-year-old who can sit there and converse around the table. There aren't many of them. Nah. And actually for like his development, you know, like it, it, when I took him to the IV, I think we were doing a bit of Christmas shopping and they said to him, do you want the kids menu? And he went like that. No, thank you. <laughs> and you know he'll go to someone's house and they'll give him beige food and he like he just eats what we have you know and he'll he'll do a bit of cooking with me and you know i think that passion sort of yeah getting to into him by a bit of osmosis you know if people haven't been to uh Trapea, they got they gotta go and try Trapea definitely and and trentina i think their pastas is good i think that's bloody good value and that doesn't seem to be full all the time for me, which is a shame. Mm. Those boys have done a really good job at bringing some cracking little businesses into the city with Tiger Bites Pig and, and Tierra Tacos and stuff. The church so, as well. I went to church for Sunday dinner a few weeks yeah, ago. It was good. Wicked, yeah. Yeah, really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. I like the menu there. It's really cool, man. Um, we like to go for the off. We love spicy food. So Szechuan, like there's a place called Chili Kitchen, which is blow your socks off mm. and there's a tasty Sichuan down in uh, Chinatown and I love Chung Ying mm. like, since we've got to yeah, know the guys nice. at Chung Ying and Will is hilarious isn't it? Say again. Will oh yeah 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 absolutely <laughs> Will and James are hilarious we were at some awards uh, the Golden Chopsticks Awards and, and they, they, that's when they won Best Dim Sum and stuff and now we're going absolutely bananas yeah. um, but again the when you go in there and you know people can obviously have whatever the, whatever they want but you see a lot of like anglo chinese stuff being ordered and if you scratch the surface of the stuff on that menu it's really really traditional and like whenever i'm with james i'm like right you know he's like you're the only person who wants this i'm like well more people should want it more people should know about it yeah so um i know you, you had tom on your uh, on your show tom cullen and I think like maybe you guys and him we could come together with James and do like a night at Chung Ying, like, but a discovery of China kind yeah. of night where people have the jellyfish chicken cold dish and the, the like. Well, I'm mad for trying feel. chicken feet at the moment because I've heard yeah. they're phenomenal. Oh, we tried them last time we went. It they was do. faff. Yeah. It was faff. Yeah, I've heard this. Right. Uh, and each little piece of, of the bird's foot is a little ligament almost. Mm. It's tasty. Would I have it again? No. Was it awful? No. No, they were um, getting missed. The taste of Szechuan, the pig's brain, it tastes of Szechuan. You need to come and try with me. Yeah. That is next level. Seriously. Like delicious. Yeah. Like a uh, like sweetbread. Oh, yeah. Nice. Beautiful, man. Absolutely beautiful. We're lucky, aren't we, with the Indian offerings that we've got? Oh, it's ridiculous. Like ashes, obviously, for me, he's like. Well, I was at Rajamonkey on Saturday and oh, Great. that's just my absolute favorite. It's phenomenal. It's yeah, it's so lovely. Good. Yeah, it is very good. Very good. Viceroy as well. I'm a big fan of in the jewelry quarter. That's yeah, very good. Ophim, um, we, haven't even, we haven't even touched on fine dining. Ophim obviously is yeah. just mm. superb. And the Desi pubs as well. Oh. Wicked Desi pubs. Yeah, desi pubs. we probably you, eat more Desi pubs than we yeah. any, out anywhere else now. So Where's just, your favourite? Soho Tavern up the road. Soho Tavern's probably our favourite. We're yeah. big fans of the covered wagon. Okay. Covered wagons. I've always yeah. I, I, I know people rave about it. I've been a few times and I wasn't so much. Copper Fox. You tried the Copper Fox. 
Nah, that's quite nice. That's just anyway. bias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. FDA, Everyone talks so. about the red line that no West Brom. We need to get over there. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I must admit, I think so. I haven't probably up there. And um, what's the one that they uh, they own the other business just in the jewelry quarter? Uh, oh, and you've got the one over the road by like thirteen, in you? Yeah, hen and chickens is good. And then um, keg and grills good. Keg and grills good. We've got loads. Yeah, got loads in yeah. yeah, definitely. And we were talking about um, six seventy before we came on air. Mm. Carters. I mean, Carters. I've been very lucky to go to Carters a few times in in recent times, and he just keeps getting better and better. Mm. And I think that to me, it looks like maybe them or Oro Fiend would might might get you know that second star. It can be good for the city now to see that coming. But a lot. I mean, more more restaurants deserve a star, don't they? You've got yeah, to be honest. Of course, they do. Yeah, there's yeah. Chills, Chills has been cooking at that level for years. Harbour Kitchen. Harbour Kitchen yeah. has been cooking at that level. Wilderness has been Wilderness, cooking at that level. Yeah. 670, some phenomenal. 670, no doubt. Right. But they know that they, if they were to give them all out, it'd be like, oh, look how many Birmingham we've got now. Yeah. You know, I, I feel a little bit for, for Liam. Uh, again, not that Tom Shepard upstairs doesn't deserve a star because it does. It's incredible. But I think Liam's been cooking at the level of, of a star for a while over there at the boat. And yeah, yeah. I don't know whether they'll look at that and go, oh, you know, Litchfield's only a little place. Can we give another one out, you know, quite so soon? But Tom's is as good as that upstairs by Tom Shepard. Have you tried? Have you been there? We haven't been yet. Get table, no. Can you? Oh, no, we've tried to go a couple of times and haven't been Have you had table. him on the podcast? No. no. Oh, he'd be good. He'd yeah. be good. He comes yeah, across. Yeah. He comes across very well. And get him on the podcast. Get a table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we did with. You know, Docket, that's what yeah. we've done with a few people. Yeah, we yeah. get them on. We eat the lunch there. We did it with Docky when we did Stu Collins. How was that? Was it nice? Oh, lunch? Phenomenal. Docky's incredible. Really, Docky though, is incredible restaurant. Yeah. He's. I think he's. He's going to move or something. The it's landlord's fell through. Fell through. He was getting a bigger place, but it's fell through. So he's staying where he is now for the meantime. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll, uh, he comes across really well comes across really well. We spoke about a few places that out and about, just sort of out of the city centre as well. Eat Vietnam. Yeah. Upstairs by Grace and James. Polly. Eat Vietnam. Early, you know. You've been early bird? Oh, yeah. Had the uh, Eat Vietnam special with early bird. Oh, naughty. Just ridiculous. It was uh, Benedict's, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember yeah, Bloom? Yeah. Bloom was a, a sad yeah, loss. Bloom, that was great. That was a sad loss. Yeah. I really. But brunch. Breakfast, whatever you want to call it, yeah. there was phenomenal. Yeah, it was wicked. I mean, it's like nothing you've ever had before. You know, no dishes, items. It was just yeah, crazy good food. Yeah, it yeah, worked yeah. as well. It did. Like yeah. Duck yeah. hash. I remember the way Doug Kedigree, the duck hash was absolutely superb. Mm. It was a real shame, and and, and, a, and a fantastic coffee as well. You know, coffee of the gods. You're still doing coffee, you know, uh, Grace and James. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Alley in it. Yeah, yeah. And and I love the fact that we've got, you know, we, we mentioned Andy, low and slow. Uh, Lap, whenever Lap does a pop-up, it's oh, like, yeah. unbelievable. I mean, he um, he phoned me a few years, a good few years ago now. He said, do you want to come around for dinner? I'm cleaning out the freezer. <laughs> I was like, am I going for dinner and to help him clean the fucking freezer? <laughs> oh, or what? And I never quite knew how good he was. We've got to be talking 10 years ago now. We sort of known each other from round and about. And I've, I've walked in his kitchen and he's got a fucking water bath on the go of the country. <laughs> <laughs> and he's got fucking, you know, I'm like, oh, Jesus fucking Christ, mate. And so he did a jungle curry and he did this, that. And honestly, it was all stuff that would just been like left in his freezer. He'd got pulled, pulled bits and bobs out. It was next level. And whenever I've been to pop-ups of his in recent times, yeah. whenever he does a pop-up, I try and go. Yeah, because I think, 
you know, taste-wise, I'm a big fan of, you know, Vietnamese and Thai. I think those flavour profiles, don't get me wrong, I, I, I love, a, you know, I, I love a, a dirty American burger and fries right through to, I'll have anything as long as it's done well with a bit of passion. But I think Thai, just eats a different bit of your mouth, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like the Szechuan, like saying mm. about the Szechuan, you know, these flavours, it, it just gives a different kind of mouth feel. Where are you going for Thai in Birmingham? I don't know. I mean, his pop-ups are, are probably the best, mm. I would say. Um, Barton Arms, I like. Oh, Barton Arms, not Yeah, beautiful. I've heard a few people. Barton Arms good. is good. I go, before, I go quite often before the games. It's just down the road from the villa. Surprise, um, surprise, yeah, it's good. Mm. I mean, I know I know Talks and the guys that own it. I mean, it, 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 the one in Arborn, you know, you, you're having, you're spending a few quid, but it is a restaurant in Arborn. It's well, very lovely. We've got a game lovely. one in Sully, aren't we? So yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Down the road. Um, us, so. You know, don't get me wrong, there's some lovely things on the menu. Um, it, it, you just, there's a lot of other places you can go for the amount of money you're spending in there, which mm. sometimes, if I'm going to the Barton Arms, it could be half the price. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, we can do with more time, I think, then. I mean, obviously, we've got Buddha Belly opening stage. Yeah, yeah, Looking yeah. Looking forward yeah, to that. Yeah, I love Buddha Belly. Um, Malaysian for me. Have you been the one down the road for me? Or? Which one, sorry? What's the name? Uh, Kapitan, is it? Kapitan. Oh, no, what? No. Uh, can't ever remember Oh, the around name. the corner of the little calf. Yeah. 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 Now, that, their good. beef rendang is oh, unbelievable. Man. Do you know what? I'm going to need to get some food after this. It's either that or fish and chips. Do you normally do it at this time of night? Because I was thinking, oh, do I have a bit of dinner before? And now we're just all we've done is talk about food for like two hours. <laughs> we do always do it, and then we're That's what we always do, yeah, man. Well, Alcatraz Mexicana so, as well. Yeah, really, really good. Man. What a place! Yeah, really good. Um, Yakuchi, you know, fantastic place. Nicest people ever as well. Lovely James. couple. Oh. Yeah, really lovely couple. Did we say Polly when we spoke about yeah, Grace Polly and James? Camel, that was Blow water. You know, Bonehead. Bonehead. My all-time, greatest <laughs> restaurant of all time for me. I love the place. Oh, I love it. Everything. I love yeah. it. I think they're going to open another, aren't they? Top yeah, secret, are they? Some stuff, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's any secret that they want to. Mm. And I think it's not a million miles away in time anyway. But it'd be nice to have another one. I mean, fried chicken. Yeah, I've got a question for you boys that I always ask uh, foodies. I was at a, an event the other night where there was only six people and I always ask this question. So you've got to get, you've got to get rid of one animal, cow, chicken, pig or lamb. You can't eat. One's got to go. I think that's fucking well easy. Ooh. Oh, actually, hang on. Okay, go on. No, 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 go on. Because other people have said that. I was going to say chicken, but then thinking fried about chicken. fried chicken. Fried yeah. chicken. Yeah. However, have you had the fried quail? Okay. Fried, fried quail. I can like, see what you're saying here. I can see what you're saying here. Yeah. Or, oh, but do you know what? Probably beef, you know. Okay. It's a Probably yeah. beef. Yeah. Yeah. It's the one thing I'd just never order is beef because I think it's yeah. boring. Yeah. And I yeah. can cook it well at home. Yeah. Uh, there's, well, there's, no, there's no, there's no right or this. wrong answer here. It's just your own yeah, personal preference. Yeah, I love that. Nice beef burger. Yeah, nice beef burger. But I mean... You know, I mean, for me, I, I love uh, I love steaks hardtair and like capaccio yeah, beef and like one. lovely like rare kind of steak. You know, but again, I could do no. without it though. What, yeah. what did you say? What did you? What could you get rid of? I go lamb, but oh, I do love lamb. Uh, lamb no lamb, lamb curry. Oh. I couldn't write. So two two stay for me straight off. The first keeper is pig. Yeah. No one's getting rid of bacon, no, sausage, so chorizo, Pork belly bread. draft. You know what Black I mean? Pudding, <laughs> Easy. Works, man. Yeah. So then after that, I'm like, I'm keeping chicken for fried chicken. 
because for me, solely fried chicken, fried chicken, fried chicken is life, man. Yeah, solely, solely for bonehead. <laughs> solely for fried chicken. And chicken sours when I'm in London, but don't tell Sham. Um, <laughs> I think bonehead's better than chicken sours. I think since post-pandemic. Yeah. I think I post-pandemic, I went there and I thought, it, mm. it, it, they stepped it up. And they, they, they changed the recipe and the yeah. brining and stuff. Mm. I had a chef go in there who'd worked at, uh, I think it's somewhere called Mother Clocker in Leeds. And so he'd done some big volume fried chicken before and he was like, fucking hell, them boys have got it down to a science, man. You know, and like he said, the way that they're producing was sort of next Oh, it's level. never been better than it is now. Yeah. And it was always good. It was always good. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's tough awesome. one, man. Awesome. of these. Yeah, so Carl has some questions. I don't know if you listen, but it's just a good, nice, light-hearted way to yeah, finish the podcast. Yeah, never Favourite. easy. You always say never it's easy. never easy. We did it. We did it in the car. We answered. Well, there's no right or wrong answer, is there? They're just personal questions. Do okay. you? What's your favourite movie? Uh, one one movie of all time. Rocky, if I get all the yeah. all of them, I love, I love. You I'm, got a picture over there. Yeah, I grew, <laughs> I grew up on the Rocky movies, but I mean, I, I bloody love like Seven, and I love all the Star Wars. If you had to pick one Rocky, like gun to your head, which Rocky is it then? Well, for me, probably the first one because it's the love story. It's the the, the ultimate underdog story. But don't get me wrong, I love the Russian. I love it when he oh, gets. Yeah, Mr. Four, T. Man. Yeah, no, I, I love Mr. T as well. <laughs> Three and four are amazing. When Mick dies. You telling me you didn't cry when Mick dies? I did cry when Mick dies. Yeah, I cry every time he runs up the steps. It means a lot to me and a lot to my family. Mm. But if you ask me on another day, I could say something else. I mean, I rewatched Forrest Gump with with Joe the other week, and good, I love I film. love that movie, and I, I absolutely adore the soundtrack too i mean movies you, you know if you did a movie podcast you'd have me talking probably for longer uh, yeah, on, yeah. on movies because i i just adore films i think it's such a fantastic bit of escapism for you know hour and a half to three hours i love going to the cinema triple cheese on my nachos yes. yeah 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 loads of jalapenos <laughs> loads <laughs> if they're giving you back you're like no no i said yeah. loads i want more <laughs> i yeah. want an equal amount of jalapenos <laughs> yeah. to chris fiddy fiddy <laughs> which favorite tv show uh, I used to love 24. I don't watch a lot of TV really anymore. Yeah. I'd probably say Match of the Day when the Villa have won, not if they've lost. So you um, don't watch Match of the Day a lot then? Yeah, not as much as I'd like. <laughs> I watch it, but I don't enjoy it. <laughs> um, anything cooking, I love, really. I love, I love watching anything that anything that's cooking. Um, you know, and, and of that, I love that Somebody Feed Phil. I love his programs. Yeah, uh, I used to love that. anything by Bordan as well. Yeah, Liam's a big Bordan fan, eh? Massive, man. Yeah, I love the books. What's your favourite band or artist? Muse, Royal Blood, Foo Fighters, maybe. But again, I I listen to anything from like, you know, like I love Tracy Chapman. I love classical piano, Ludovico, Ian Aldi. And I like really loud metal and hard dance music from my 20s that makes me feel... (laughs) Well, I, I, I can't <laughs> wait for Goldie at the uh, Jazz Festival and I'm nice. buzzing to see Goldie like Yeah, Goldie, brilliant. Uh, so again, the, the, if you ask me tomorrow, I might have a different answer. But um, That's the beauty of these questions. Yeah, definitely. Maybe. Definitely, I like it. What's your favourite big fast food chain? I mean, favourite for eating the food. I don't know about their welfare. I don't know about the welfare <laughs> of any of them. But... Uh, KFC, I love a dirty KFC, man. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? I do love a Hung dirty over KFC. Hungover is great as well. I had one just yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just think the gravy is awesome. Um, if you catch a good one, it's good. I mean, if you catch a good McD's, if it's fresh, Brad Carter told me a secret the other day. The filet of fish is the only thing they make fresh every time. So I need to get myself in and have a filet of fish because that's what he has every time. 
That's what Leo's. I'm sure Leo's the same Leo's thing. The same yeah. thing. Yeah, a there couple of top chefs now saying there the same go. thing. And I used to take the piss out of the missus when she used to get that as a kid. <laughs> I, I didn't think yeah. anyone ordered the fillet of fish. No, no. I, I, thought, Brad, I thought Brad was taking the piss. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favourite beer? Uh, Bathams, mm. real ale. Yeah, nice, Black Country real ale. Yeah, it's smooth as anything. I also like Timothy Taylor real ale. Um, so you're into the more real ale side of it? Yeah, hand pull real ale for me. Uh, I mean, I'd, you've seen me out loads. I'll drink anything, you know that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that for me, like, there's a lot more going on with that, you know what I mean, than, than there is even in a good quality lager, really. Yeah. What's your specially, you, say you do the cooking, what's your favourite dish that you cook at home? Anything, to be fair. I do love, I love cooking. Um, a, a tray bake, I just like a, a nice tray bake's good, something thrown together. But like, I mean, sometimes I'll say to Joe, like, what do you want? And she can just have anything she wants. She'd never had skate wing before I cooked it for her. So I just like, you know, pan for the skate wing with a nice just bernoisette or a caper bernoisette or something. I think skate's just so underrated. Just some nice little butter, new potatoes. And mm, doesn't just, need I love it. I, I think it's a, an incredible fish. It's a super fishy fish. Get a nice like buttery, Chardonnay and oak Chardonnay with that, and and that's all you need really. Is maybe a bit of dressed rocket and 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 the fish and that. So um, nice. I don't I don't really have like a go to dish. I it'll be great if like I, I see something like at the butchers and it it's new or different or Milo goes what's that bird and I'm like that's a pheasant and then I cook that and like I take my time with it and yeah I I mean, I'm, you know I'm. I'm no amazing cook, but like people have a nice time when they come over for dinner because like I put a bit of love into it. That's it's caring, and I just adore the cooking. I put some tunes on, put me pods in, and away I go, or a podcast. You I'm know, the same. So. I just bang a Slipknot album on, or yeah. Metallica album. That's it. I'll just yeah. go for it. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, we'll stick with my skate. Other than Birmingham, what's your favourite food destination in the world? Oh, I suppose Barcelona, but I'm, yeah, I've spent a, a lot of show. time there. And there's a lot of places I haven't been. Thailand, I loved as well. You know, I'd never been to Thailand until a few few years back, and I absolutely loved it. I'm not, I'm very well travelled in Europe, not not wider really. Um, I'm someone who, uh, if, if loads of people are doing it, I don't want to do it. So like, everyone started getting tattoos. So I was like, fuck, I'm not getting a tattoo now. Everyone just, all of my mates were like, right, we go Thailand then Australia. Yeah, we go Thailand then Australia. We're gonna have a year out Thailand Australia. So I was like, fuck <laughs> that, I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? Like, I wanted to be different. Um, so very well travelled in in Europe, really. I mean, London, you cannot. I do love slipping down to London. There's a lot there now. Jesus, it's much as good as anywhere More in the than world. I can ever eat there. My yeah. list of restaurants in London on my phone is so. It, go, long. And it gets longer. Yeah. It, it, you know, I've, I've followed Clerk and Malboy and I know him and, and Adam Hyman from Code Hospitality and the Good Food Guide. And like, you see these boys and they're like, fuck, not you saying another one on the list, you know. And I love, there's something wonderful about going back somewhere, isn't there? Really lovely. It, it, there's like it like a homely feel of a return and you know I've been to Brat like five times I can't get enough of it but then you go it's the money that and the time that you could be somewhere else trying something new as well and there's a real trade off there because there's a beautiful familiarity of like I know it here like here, yeah, I have the turbot, and da, da, da. but then you're missing out on trying something new as yeah, well. It's you know, tough balance, uh, it? you got it is a tough balance because returning somewhere gives you different endorphins than the new experience, I think. But the new experience gives you different as well, and you know you're not going to be let down. Like I went to Leroy and Shoreditch, uh, Manteca, all within 
and my all of brat. And yet I want to go back to a ball. <laughs> and I want fish and chips. <laughs> Beautiful stuff. Wicked. Cool. That's Thank us. you very much, mate. I've really enjoyed it, boys. Yeah, Lovely. great to talk about food. Loads of wicked tips and stuff. So, no, it's been awesome. Thanks for coming on. Nice one. Thanks a lot. Thanks.